Tune in to the Neil Prenderville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. The death, uh, the murder of Ashling Murphy dominates the papers again this morning uh, as it did right across the weekend. Like uh, the Red Tops this morning talk about the hardest walk um, the walk of love, as the star puts it this morning, the hardest walk, as the mirror calls it. Why do I say that? Well, um, her family yesterday visited the scene of where 23-year-old Ashling was murdered. Dad Raymond, mum Kathleen, brother Cahill, sister Amy uh, spent 10 minutes at the Grand Canal in the presence of Gardaí. Uh, I did read somewhere at the weekend that uh, her boyfriend also attended the scene. Uh, the murder scene um, and they're photographed actually making the papers uh, today um, it's very very sad I'm, I'm not so sure that it's the best kind of photograph to have taken but there it is nonetheless but the investigation itself um, is going you know at a pace let me put it like that so they're continuing now the Gardaí to hunt for a weapon which may come as news to some people and I don't mean to upset anybody uh, but this morning the reports say that the guards are hunting for the, hunting for the weapon that they believe was used uh, to kill Ashling Murphy forensic experts uh, combing the chief suspect's home yesterday it is a massive Garda operation in a house and they took away hundreds of bags of material uh, and two big skips as well out, out of the garden and they're monitoring a suspect at a Dublin hospital. Papers say different things about the suspect. I, I'm not going to go into any of that um, because I, I'm not, not so sure that it, it's all that relevant but the Red Tops do drill in. But they are saying that they're monitoring a suspect at a, a Dublin hospital while they hunt for the clothes he was wearing on the day. Um, they talk about where he's from originally. They talk about you know size of his family and things like that but he apparently was admitted to a hospital in the city with several wounds, this suspect. Um, but they believe that the wounds were self-inflicted, or at least that's what the Gardaí are saying. Uh, and there are also scratch marks on his body, and officers of the Gardaí Shikona exa- will examine whether the scratch marks on his body could have been inflicted by keys that Ashling had in her position, possession uh, when she was attacked. And they're also very curious to get as much information as they can on this this bike. Um, and that dominates uh, many of the papers again this morning with photographs of the bike. And then, of course, many of the papers talk to um, neighbours of the suspect and, uh, you know, people are making comments about him and, and his family and, and things like that. But they have DNA uh, from the injured chief suspect in the murder of Ashling, And that's a front page of Making the Sun today. Um, they're very close now. They're just waiting for the nod from... Uh, medics, doctors, I suppose, as to when they can actually interview uh, the suspect. Uh, a number of injuries believed to be self-inflicted have been dealt with in hospital. And the Independent this morning on its front page, while it has uh, photographs of the scene clearly and and all of the, uh, the, the flowers and the bouquets that were left at the entrance to the Grand Canal, um, they're, they're ready to interview the suspect and they think that they may be able to, able to interview him as early as today. And there were many vigils across the country at the weekend and certainly Cork was not found wanting in the city and the suburbs and right across the county. And the Echo this morning has many photographs, as does uh, the examiner from across the country, of vigils for Ashling over the weekend. Of course, we do have um, a woman as Justice Minister. Great opportunity now for Helen McEntee to step up to the plate here and make a difference for women as Minister for Justice. And COVID also makes the newspapers, and sure, why wouldn't it? But at least Faradkar's given us a, a little bit of chink of light, I suppose. He's saying that a phased reopening from the end of January 
is um, very, very possible with COVID restrictions easing as rapidly as possible. It's somewhat confusing. In one part of the papers of the weekend, he was said he said that all of this could be gone and all restrictions gone by the end of the year. I remember thinking, by the end of the year? Are you serious? But the Red Tops this morning are suggesting that much of it could be over the next couple of months. So I'll go with a couple of months. And they figure that this 8 p.m. closing time for hospitality introduced late last year could be the first to go. And that could go in the next couple of weeks. Now, TDs within Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael want it even faster than that. They want this 8 o'clock gone, just gone. So including the 8 p.m. pub curfew, that could be before the end of the month. Uh, this is the 17th of January, so there's not a whole lot left in the end of the month. So there you have it. That's what's going on. There are other kind of COVID-related stories, of course. Everybody knows at this stage that uh, Novik Djokovic, as they love to say, was kicked out of Australia uh, after a legal fight, after legal fight, after legal fight. And, of course, the Australian Open has begun. And uh, Simon Coveney has ordered investigations into his officials and staff's champagne party at the height of COVID rules. It's very interesting that what you see going on in Downing Street apparently was happening within the um, areas of Leinster House as well, or indeed, you know, the different, I suppose, the different government departments. So he's ordered an investigation into the champagne party that took place in his department. It's very interesting. Double plate spread in the mail this morning talking about uh, almost trying to make out that Simon Coveney is a dead man walking and they give chapter and verse time after time after time as to when they claim Simon Coveney dropped the ball. Um, There's a lot then with regards to claiming pup. Like the examiner this morning says that there was a a random sample of 100 claims uh, made in the early months of the pandemic where it was found that a fifth of them did not satisfy qualifying criteria, which really is saying that 20% of them shouldn't have been paid a pop claimant. So that's a, a worry when it can lead into perhaps millions and millions of euro of money that was claimed for pop that shouldn't have been claimed. In the UK, they're saying that 4.3 billion in COVID payment has been lost to fraud. 4.3 billion. I think that is saying something like one in four pounds was fraudulently claimed. And as you heard Kira talking about, people who were rich got an awful lot richer right across the pandemic. And Ireland's uh, richest millionaires and billionaire, billionaires were not lagging behind in that. They increased um, their stash by 18.3 billion, apparently, according to the Mirror. And then right across the world, the combined wealth of the world's mega-rich rocketed to a record 4.3 trillion uh, euro during the COVID pandemic. When when do people say enough is enough? I'm not, I'm not saying that wealthy people don't share their wealth. They clearly do. But God almighty, look at Jeff Bezos now, or Bill Gates, or Elon Musk, or Larry Ellison, or Larry Page, or... Mark Zuckerberg and Warren Buffett, and they are just absolutely uh, drowning in, in money. Um, meanwhile, uh, back here in Terra Firma, the mirror says that half of adults uh, are now scared to heat their homes because of soaring energy bills. It's probably lead, leading to an awful lot of grief in the house, I suppose, when somebody's trying to control the bills, but at the same time doesn't want people to be cold and wants people to be able to have showers and baths. But it's a big, big problem, of course, and more so now because this is when the bills are coming in for November and December, and that's where you're going to see the big increases in your bill from November and December. Not such a problem for the punter up in Mayo who scooped the jackpot at the weekend, 19 million. Hasn't been claimed yet, don't know who it is, but it had to be one, and it was one, which is kind of peculiar, isn't it? A lot of chiefs saying they're waiting on whoever won the 19.6 to come and get it, so undoubtedly they will sooner or later. Uh, Meanwhile... It's also um, the 
most depressing day of the year, they're saying. Uh, today is Blue Monday, and they've done some, they have some algorithm to tell you why today, the 16th of January, is the most depressing day of the year. A lot of it has to do with the fact that it's January. <laughs> More has to do with the fact that it's cold, that it's dark, that people are broke, that they have no holidays on the horizon, that it's a really long month before you get paid. But this morning, the mirror is giving tips as to how you can brighten the mood across today or just generally in your life. And also, I did this in the past and we had a lot of fun with it where we were looking for the world's or at least Cork's oldest electrical appliance. We had good sports with it. I'm sure that maybe we might be able to develop this over the next couple of days. But they have found in Saturday's Telegraph, Britain's oldest toaster. It's over 70 years old. Now, the guy who owns it got it from his mum and dad, who got it as a wedding present way back in 1953 um, for their wedding. He still has it, still uses it. He says that he has to do a small little bit of work on it every few years, minor repairs. But J- Jimmy James, who owns it, great name, incidentally, Jimmy James. Uh, he's probably a vagabond, uh, as in the band. But he says that people throw things away way too much. And back in the day, people would mend and repair. And there was lots of repair shops, which don't exist anymore, really. Um, but he says the toaster is the oldest working toaster in Britain. It's a Morphe Richards from 1953. Looking at the photograph of it, it's missing a couple of dials. And it's missing one or two parts for the lever but it works perfectly and they cut it um, a great photograph as the toast was popping out the top of it so it's in perfect working order which makes it Britain's oldest toaster um, at the age of 70 probably over 70 um, it was sorry did I say 1953 sorry about that um, it's actually 1949 it beat another toaster that was the oldest one in 1953 my ser- sincerest apologies the Morphe Richards pop-up toaster given to his parents in 1959 anybody out there beat 1949 I said 49 anybody out there beat 1949 when it comes to a working appliance I'd love to know text 0868104106 The Neil Prenderville Show a lot of calls a lot of texts a lot of emails understandably quite an amount of text with regards to Friday's programme when we dealt with the tragic news of the death of Ashling Murphy and I will come back and read those I promise you throughout the course of, of the morning here's just a selection from a male perspective it's so sad to think that girls have to carry a weapon as they're afraid of men trust me 90% of us are of no harm to anyone but I do get where women are coming from and that's my man's perspective perspective I'm a widow in my 60s um, hotels do midweek deals for single women and men I don't even go on the trip anymore because you would be afraid walking down the long hotel corridors at night that someone might come out and attack you. Most women are fearful, most women of all ages. Morning, listening to your show from the Netherlands. I remember years ago I was walking to my car late at night and spotted a young woman walking alone towards a park. The park is a route towards the train station. I noticed a guy with a hoodie walking behind her at a distance. I felt a bit uneasy at this situation, so I decided to follow them, making sure the guy knew I was there. I followed till the woman got to the station and was surrounded by other people. The guy walked as far as the station. I then walked back to the car. Now, the guy may not have done anything, but I felt it was a very unsafe place for the woman on her own. People have been attacked in that park before here in the Netherlands. It is sad when you think that women can't be safe on their own on the streets at night. Best regards, says Andreas, listening in the Netherlands. I'm away in London. Uh, one day at half past five, I was walking to the gym when a man in a suit walked over to me and said the most vulgar sexualized comment you can imagine. Um, 
I've been spiked twice in the past. I work in a predominantly male office. When the news broke, broke about Prince Andrew this week, they all laughed and they all joked and said, what would your excuse be? I could go on and on. Men are allowed to get away with this behaviour and mindset and that's the root of the problem. Thank you for that text. Uh, it's an unsigned one. I wonder, uh, would are more people calling out you know, what you just said, where people were laughing and, and joking in the office. There are many people now saying, that's not on. You need to stop that and explain your reasons why for saying it. If one of my sons was guilty of something similar to what happened to that poor girl, then I can tell you honestly, I'd seek the death penalty for them and for any man uh, using the hashtag not all men. He's not understanding how vile this is, to be honest, because no woman should be afraid to go for a jog at any time of the day or night. And that's just a selection of pages and pages, which I'll come back to, because all of those, if possible, weren't being read, read out uh, because they're all from the heart. Keep those texts coming. Text 086-8104-106. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. I don't know whether at the weekend you might have noticed, uh, we certainly noticed a a video that was uh, doing the rounds um, and many, many people were sharing and looking at it. I looked at it and said, oh my God, how can anybody be so stupid to do anything like that? But it was a distasteful video to say the least. It was purporting to be made um, involving Brian Dillon's GAA club. It's doing the rounds where the club is mentioned and some of their members' names were mentioned about sending uh, footballs and sending jerseys out uh, overseas to a charity, Mombasa. It was in, to, to say the least and to be even kind about it, it was in very, very bad taste. Uh, you had a guy doing a piece to camera um, where his face was blacked out, you know, blacked up, I should say. Blacked up, I don't know what he used to black up his face. And then he put on an accent as if he was from um, Africa and pass, possibly trying to pass off as somebody from Mombasa. It was, firstly, it was stupid. It was infantile, but it was very cruel and very hurtful and distasteful. Uh, the club are very annoyed about it. Their chairman at Brian Dillon's is Paul Tuig, and he joins me by phone. Paul, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? I no idea where that came out of, but uh, nonetheless, there it was online. I wonder, is it still up? Has it been taken down or what's the deal? Do you know? Well, it, it's still available because um, it, was, it was posted as a kind of a personal thing through the group that were that were dealing with it at the time. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. As, as far as I'm aware, it's still available, but I'm working on that with um, a couple of contacts that I would have with Facebook myself to try and get it removed okay. fully, you know. Okay. Um, have I missed anything here? I mean, what, what what's the backstory? You guys clearly have absolutely nothing to do with this. Well, that that is the point, and that's why it, I said, come on, when um, when Brenda contacted us yesterday, you know, it, we really, really want to distance ourselves from this, because the club was mentioned, a couple of members were mentioned in it. Um, I suppose it grew it grew legs over the weekend. We, we were made aware of it on Friday, and right straight away, our, our PRO secretary, uh, Owen King, put up on our Facebook page the disclaimer that you read yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we want to distance ourselves from this distasteful video. We want to focus on the good that we did for the charity. So, so there was actually a contribution given by Brian Dillon's to a charity in Mombasa. What is the true story? Well, that that was the case, and that that's where the, the video came out of. But it was um, it was actually a man called Joe McCarthy, uh, next principal in St Patrick's Boys National School. You know, uh, he contacted the club. 
Um, we ran with it straight away with the, the excellent contacts we have with St. Patrick's being in the locality and everything. Yeah, and yeah. One of our members is a teacher down there, Damien Horgan. So the connection is huge with them, like, and all the kids obviously coming up and playing with the club. But, um, yeah, the jerseys were sent out. We'd done our bit when the call came out, you know, and... You sent jerseys um, to children in Africa uh, to mentor those kids, to help them with sport. Did you send footballs as well? Yeah, all the gear went, as far as you know, to just jerseys. Okay. You know, the the video kind of took on its own life, if you want to call it that, Neil, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, he put footballs up in front of me. His face. I, I mean, I don't want to know who the individual was, but it's going to be yes or no. Uh, a question: Do you know who put up that video? Yeah, well, we we done our own kind of investigation, if you like. As soon as we're made aware of it, we yeah. do know who it is. I'm not going to mention no, him. No, no, no. You know, I don't want to give it any more traction than it deserves. But know? a couple so. of club members were mentioned in it. Uh, are they are they annoyed or upset about that? Uh, they were, of course, yeah. Um, like I said, Nick, we don't want to give it any more traction than it deserves, you know? Yeah. We want to distance ourselves and focus on the good that the club has done for the charity itself. You know, we were getting calls from Dublin. My, I have a good friend in Clare. It was coming from all over the country because it, we are... We're reaching that far, you know, with ex-members and all this. And yeah, but nobody in their right mind would believe that Brian Dillon said anything at all to do with it. Like, you just, you just wouldn't, you know. You'd know that this is someone on a solo run, if you like. I mean, it's well, to say it's <laughs> distasteful and disgusting. It, are the, do the Gardaí see it? We haven't approached the Gardaí, but members of the Gardaí involved in the club are aware of it. Yeah. And... Like we were taking advice from them as well, you know. So yeah, yeah, okay, all right. Well, that might be active then, so we won't go there. Anyway, the point of this conversation is to make it abundantly clear that this had absolutely nothing to do uh, with Brian Dillon's in any way, shape, or form. No, no, because like we're, we're involved with a good two charities. Like we do work with Penny Dinners over the years, and it's it's just sickening that someone would target the club in in that respect. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's why we just totally wanted to distance ourselves from it or any participation in it. This individual has nothing to do with brain villains. Right. You know, and basically that's it, Neil. We just wanted yeah. to put a full stop after it, you know, okay. and yeah. it's not it's not funny. It's not talented. It's just stupid. It's silly, stupid, and very, very distasteful. It's not even it's not even kind no. of alternative I, I, humour. It's, it's nothing. This is it with social media, as you're aware yourself. Like it just, it just goes viral. Yeah. The second something stupid comes out. Gotcha. Yeah we, yeah. we just don't want to give it any more traction, like we said. You know. Okay. Well, I'm happy to. I know you've done it online, but we're happy to do it on air as well. Distancing Brian Dillon's from this nonsense, abundantly clear. They have nothing at all to do with as you, which you put it very well. You call it a pathetic video. Well said, Paul. Well said. Yeah. Okay. All right, my man. All the best. Take care. Thanks for taking the Thank call. You. Appreciate it. Text 0868 104 106. I don't know who the individual is. I'm not sure that the individual will get in touch with me. I don't know whether we could stand over it or maybe somebody who did it might wish to apologize for it. Maybe they'll make the next move in it. Either way, lines open. Pick up the phone 0818 104 106. Wendy, good morning. Can you hear me all right, Wendy? Oh, hi. Ah, oh, there you, you are. Morning. Hope you had a good weekend. Mm-hmm. 
I did, thank you. How did okay. you? Okay, all right. Listen, it's always great to give shout-outs. Nice way to start the week with shout-outs for not one person, not two, but lots of them. And that's doctors, nurses and staff at the A&D. Because God knows many people criticise, so it's good to hear the upside too. What, what was your own experience? Okay, so I had to go into the A&E department there last week um, unexpectedly. Um, and I know that the A&E get a, an awful lot of bad rep um, and criticism, but I'd just like to say that my own experience was very good from start to finish. Um, I was in the nine hours um, and while we were there surprisingly everyone that was in A&E actually got served lunch which I've never in my days wow, of going into a that's new to me before. when you say lunch what's mm-hmm. lo- what did lunch consist of? Oh sick so um, you could either have uh, just a sandwich and some water um, or we were also offered um, soup spaghetti bolognese a dessert <laughs> And, and and water and a sandwich if we wanted it also. Um, what? So, I, so like, that's a hot lunch then? It was a hot lunch. It, we like we were stunned. The people I was sat with, we were all in little glass pods. Um, Spag ball, mushroom soup and a dessert in the A&E. And a, and a dessert, but we were stunned. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew that they went around with a trolley of sandwiches and bottled water, but... Spag ball and mushroom soup and a dessert, three course at lunchtime. That's news to me. I know. I'm, I'm going again this week for a follow-up. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm going to fall off the chair here just to go in for I lunch. Knew did. <laughs> I knew you did. I you did. Yeah, we were, we were stunned. The lady and I, the, the lady next to me didn't like mushroom soup, so I got her soup and she got my dessert. What? What was the dessert? Happy, um, it was an apple pie, I think. Sometimes <laughs> an apple pie. Yeah. yeah. When, did they, when did they start this? Apparently, I was talking to one of the nurses, um, and she said that it started last March when the new unit opened. Um, last March of last year. March of last year. Why yeah. are we only hearing yeah. about it ten months later? Oh, I have no idea, but I just said, you know what? It was such a surprise, and a real. <laughs> we were sat there. It was cold, obviously, and we were all fed up. And then this came around, and we were all delighted. And how so. do you balance the three-course meal on a tray on your lap on a chair? Uh, well, it was a bit difficult, but, you know, we managed away. We weren't going to complain about anything. It was um, it was very nice of them to do so. And one of the nurses, looked, she said, we get an awful lot of bad press. And she said, you ought to go on the Neil Prender show and give us a bit of a... Yes, <laughs> let's hear it for the spag ball. How did it taste? <laughs> do you know, it was lovely. We even got parmesan cheese and oh, water was with it. Ask it. Like it. <laughs> oh, my God. It's yeah, like something Oh my God, Olivia. So you got the spag ball, salt and pepper and parmesan shavings on the top. Yep. The mushroom soup, but maybe a little mm-hmm. bit of bread roll with it, did you? We didn't get the bread roll, but we got a chicken and stuffing sandwich <laughs> as well. So it was. <laughs> but is, it, is this at one specific time of the day? You got to uh, be yeah, there at one we, o'clock or something? Yeah, kind of, yeah, around around one o'clock ish. Yeah, so I'd been there since eight um, and didn't <laughs> oh. get out the joint till five. But um, yeah, it was just. <laughs> It was a big surprise and fair play to the nurses and the doctors. Everyone was amazing, right down from going in the door to coming out. It was, um, yeah, it was like a, I wouldn't say a hotel, but, you know, it was nice nice to get the, the, the lunch. They're obviously a bit more conscious of people sitting there for hours on end. Like if, you're, yeah. like if you're there at eight in the morning, there's no way to give you the full Irish, no? Oh, I think I missed that. <laughs> I think that's a great story. <laughs> I think that really is making an effort in all fairness and we have to it credit is. them with that. 
they get a lot of bad press and so I just thought you know I'm going to give them a shout out they deserve it you're, I'm so glad you called because people might start timing their visits to the a and E. I mean, it's, it's, it's not spag ball every day. They probably vary the main course, do they? <laughs> I'd say they must do. Yeah, I don't know. But look, either either way, people are very lucky to be getting it, you know. I like um, a good spag ball, me. Yeah, it was very tasty, I must admit. It was very nice. It was, um, yeah. I'm due, actually, I'm due a fall down the stairs one of these days, you know, with stuff that people I, leave on the landing. So I'll, I'll try... <laughs> My husband said that we should book in every week. <laughs> God forbid, but I'm glad you made us aware of it. Hot lunch yes. in the A&E every day since last March. They kept that quiet. Fair play to Wendy. Yeah, no bother. And well, welcome to the A&E at CUH. Cheers. Work, well done. Thanks Take care. Of yourself. All the best. And well done to all concerned out there. And they are right. They do need some positive press as often as they can get it because it's tough out there. I don't think anybody actually criticises the staff in any way, shape or form. They're doing the very best they can. System leaves a lot to be desired. You know, the system in Ireland leaves a lot to be desired. I see the papers this morning that they're now deciding that it would be a good thing to bring back the mercs and the perks for all ministers now just not cabinet anymore the justice minister Helen McEntee is bringing a report to cabinet for armed guard drivers in cars to be introduced for all ministers and I imagine that would probably would that include junior ministers as well be an awful lot of Mercedes and an awful lot of electric cars I don't know what kind of a fee they're putting it or what kind of a budget they're putting it one of the red tops mentioned it would be north of 5 million a year and God knows it probably that probably doesn't include uh, the drivers because each of those cars needs two drivers to work and shift. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number 0818-104-106. Lot of texts. As a mother to a young boy, I'm so acutely aware of how it's my responsibility to ensure he learns boundaries around females. I feel so responsible for that. It's scary. I'm scared he sees something and learns from it. Tusla and the education department need to be part of all of this journey. This needs to be embedded from Montessori school to secondary school, as well as at home from parents. Where are these men learning it's okay, that it's okay to do these things to women? My own partner said it could have been a man that was attacked and I shivered. I totally lost it with him. Uh, I took it out on him. Why would he think this way? And he's a man. I'm not threatened by it. Uh, He's a man. Um, it's not all men, but it's enough men. It's probably the majority of men. Why don't they have self-control? I just don't understand. They, these are damaged and entitled men who feel they can get away with these kind of things. Okay, that's a, an interesting text that your husband reacted the way he did. I think you were right to challenge him, incidentally. When you look at history and those who've killed or almost killed girls, Larry Murphy springs to mind. Um, nothing changes. In relation to the Ashling Murphy Uh, Story, Neil. I'm an Irish woman, 25 years old, living in Germany. Although we shouldn't have to take such measures, you can very easily buy pepper spray for as little as a fiver in most stores. Uh, Is this something that we need to unfortunately encourage in Ireland now? Uh, Currently not classed as a weapon in Germany, but would Ireland change this stance? Um, I don't know. Forgive me. I, I think you could possibly buy pepper spray, but I'd imagine you'd probably have to buy it online. I don't know that there's anywhere that sells pepper spray over the counter. Uh, I can't understand why when somebody uh, like Ashley Murphy, who died in such a horrible and tragic manner, people never ever even met her and rushed to profess their grief about her death. To me, the definition of grief is to feel intense sorrow, as you do when you lose a loved one. Those who say they are grieving the loss of a perfect stranger have obviously never experienced such a loss 
or are just hijacking the grief of others to get some exposure on social media platforms. Anger, sadness, sorrow for her loved ones, yes. But personal grief, no. Give me a break. Or maybe get a job as a professional mourner. I think that's very unkind, I have to say. I mean, you're entitled to your opinion saying that people are hijacking her death in an effort to um, share on or on social media, I think that people genuinely were moved enough to want to say something about it. So I don't agree with you. I mean, you believe that, but uh, I, for one, don't think you're right. I think people were very angered, as you use the word. They were very saddened, and there was incredible sorrow for her and for her loved ones, and people wanted to share on that and tell people how they felt themselves. That was a good thing. And, you know, big change can happen with big numbers of people demanding change, and if it happens on social media platforms to help that change, then that's got to be a good thing. I want to talk to Ken Smolin. We've spoke to Ken uh, on the air down through the years. He runs a, a food appeal um, and he is actually up in County Offaly. He's an Offaly County Councillor. He runs the Ken Smolin Food Appeal. Uh, in fact, I think he may have called to the Murphy household uh, over the weekend and he joins me by phone. Ken, good morning. Morning, uh, and and it's the mark of the family, actually, isn't it? How kind and considerate and understanding they are, because the community rallied around them, didn't they? Uh, look, it, it, it's a tradition in different parts of the country where, you know, at the loss of a, a loved one, um, a lot of neighbours, family, friends, they all arrive at the, the home with loads and loads of food for the family, you know, to prevent yeah. them from having to do any cooking. Um, at a time of grief and a time when they, they're just not thinking straight and, and they, they need that help. And, and it's a way of people supporting others. And that happened um, at the weekend. And, and that did happen at the weekend. And Ashling's family contacted me, her aunt contacted me, and um, they had an awful load of food and they simply didn't want it to go to waste. Um, so they called me and uh, I arrived out of the house. I met the family. Um, and friends and neighbours and um, they they all loaded a huge amount of food onto the van and um, I was able to get that to 15 families in Offaly and in Leash and in Westmead that evening. Now, that that day I met Ashling's poor father. Um, uh, You know, he's a very broken man, Ray. And, um, you know, he said to me as well, he could actually put those words together that they didn't want to see any food going to waste mm-hmm. and they wanted to, it to go to people and families that needed it. You yeah, know, yeah. that kind of attitude really stuck with me and um, it made me aware that, you know, that the caliber of this family, um, it's unreal. A lot of other people wouldn't have thought of that. Um, food would be the last thing on their minds but they're such good people that they could think of others at such a traumatic time in their lives. In, in times of devastation like they're going through, they wanted people to have the food, not to go hungry, for it not to be wasted. And 15 families were fed by it, you're saying, when you took yeah. it away. Yeah, exactly. 15 families were more than delighted to receive it. We have a number of families. We have almost 1,100 families on our list now. It took a long time to build up that, to build up the confidence in people that everything would be totally confidential because that's most people that are in experiencing food poverty will hide away. They'll purposely go hungry rather than letting family, 
neighbours, friends know that they're in difficulties. How do you find them then? How do you get in touch with the families if they're, they, they many of them are so private? Yeah. You see, I, I started this back in uh, December 2016, five years ago now. And um, we started off with a handful of families. But, you know, it was from looking at what was going on in Dublin. And a group of us went to Dublin. Um, and outside of the old Central Bank building on Dame Street, um, we found, you know, a group there um, helping these people. Um, the, the group was called You're Not Alone. And um, they clicked these people through. There was elderly people and children and, and you know, every kind of person from all walks of life, a lot of them actually working. Yeah. It's not all people on social right. welfare, or it's not all homeless people either. It's because of the cost of living in Ireland. And you know something, we have the same organizations and volunteers here on Side doing the work that you're doing, you know, and we'd be all lost without um, voluntary um, organizations like yeah, yours. Yeah, I, I, was, I was contacted recently by, by uh, Katrina Toomey from right. yeah. Dinners yeah. and, and um, you know, how do you, if they want to be so discreet, how how do you get the food to them? It must be sometimes on a daily basis. I delivered every single day of the week, seven days a week, 365 days of the year. I'm out very early in the morning. I was out this morning at half past four um, delivering food to the, the, the front door of families. Because I have to be wary that these families don't want other people knowing so you deliver at half four in the morning? Yeah, I start off at half past four. So I was out this morning. I delivered food to um, 19 families this morning. Um, they were all in County Offaly uh, this morning. But and we cover County Offaly and all of the Midlands counties, all of our surrounding counties. There's eight or nine counties. And would any of the, fa- you know, the 15 families were fed from the food that was left at Ashley Murphy's home. Would any of those families know that it came from the grieving family? Yeah, I, I, I told them. And how did they react because, to that news? Um, they, they were so grateful that the Murphy family would do something like that. And all of these families are so grateful to receive that. We, we have many children going to school hungry in the mornings. Now, children, for one reason or another, are very, very good at keeping secrets. And mommy and daddy might say to the child, don't pretend or don't let on that you got no breakfast this morning and the child will defend the parents they don't want to let them down yeah so many school teachers are very good they will watch for this kind of thing but i have no doubt that many children are being missed i know the child is saying we got yeah we're okay we got something to eat whereas they would have got nothing to yeah, eat I know. so the sandwiches and stuff like that could have been used you know for 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 school lunch that's right absolutely absolutely it would be horrific I I hate to see food nothing wasted in that regard Um, you're aware that the family of course with heads bowed in grief visited the scene at the weekend you know you referenced dad Raymond ma'am Kathleen brother Cahill and sister Amy must have been awfully hard for them to go to see where they're and and, and you know something Neil I presume a lot of people would actually you know they, they would overlook her boyfriend of six years. Uh, right. yeah, I mentioned, is it six no. years they were together? Yes, I mentioned yeah. it only in passing this morning, but he was also, they were together six years. Six years, yeah. What was his name? Uh, What's uh, his name? Uh, Ryan is his name. No, I, I don't know whether he wanted, but, but we'll just say Ryan for now. Yeah. I don't know whether yeah. he wanted. No, 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 poor misfortune. Yeah. Um, but but that, that that's his name, Ryan. And, um, you know, he's part of that family. But, 
you know, the people in, in you know, I heard you saying there that, that some people would think that there's, you know, there are some that are taking advantage. Looking the texture saying that people just that. jumped on board the tragedy to profess grief and anguish that they really don't feel they're only using the words. Well, you see, Neil, the way I can explain that personally is that myself and my wife many years ago experienced the loss of a, a, a little girl uh, as a result of a, tra- a traffic accident. I'm so sorry to hear that. That, 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 that is a horrific personal experience. But nobody, not even us or anybody like us, could ever experience the trauma associated with the loss of a child in such a horrific way. She wasn't ill. She went out for a run. And some mad creature out there took her life. Like, I have no idea how these people are taking this in. And it, it it's something that they will never get over. The and family, yeah, yeah. They 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 will they they will um, have to learn to live with it. But that's the they, they'll never get and they won't want to get over it. They, they'll just learn to live with this thing. But I and I think I'm speaking for not only the people of her own area and her own community out near a place called the Blue Ball in Tullamore, but for all of Tullamore, for all of Offaly, for the wider community, for all of the country, we feel like a family. We feel that we've lost a family member. And it's a horrific feeling. I know that I have felt numb ever since I heard about it. Well, I mean, it can be deemed, this texture says that it's not personal grief, but for women it is personal and it is grief for all women. I think, yes, for women, it is personal grief. You see, I, I have two daughters myself. I also have a young niece of around the same age as Ashling, and she is a school teacher as well. And, um, you know, I, uh, we can't help but put ourselves in that situation and how I would feel if my of young course. niece, I know. you know, that, that happened to her. But I think we all feel it. We all feel that this is a terrible, terrible tragedy, even though we may not have known Ashling personally, or known the family person personally. But well, people want it to be a watershed moment for change I to happen. I was going to say that. This has to be a watershed. Okay. You know, at, at what, what level of violence should we accept? Should we accept any level of violence? Mm. There should be no such thing as bail being given. But judges shouldn't have the, the opportunity of granting bail to these people. We, we know what happened to that young lady in Dublin a couple of weeks ago where, where she's, you know, she's possibly going to lose an eye. Mm. And these gangsters that did this to her were released on bail. I think it was mm. 200 euros on mm. bail. Um, Women are very not. angry about the courts. They're very angry about sentencing. They're very angry about soft sentencing and time off there, for good behaviour. There should be mandatory prison terms. Okay, okay. It's simple as that. Okay, all right. Listen, Ken, regards and our thoughts with all of your your 
county, all of the county of, of Offaly. Um, and so just such a, a nice side to the story that the food didn't go to waste and families were fed from oh, it. Yeah, look, Thank I you so much. Never, I can never be grateful enough to, to them for that. And all right. it's a wonderful thing that okay. they did. That was personal to you. That was personal to you. Thanks, Ken. Cheers. Take Thank care. You. Ken Smollin. Right. Lots of texts to 0868104106. 15 years ago when I was 40, I received three bouquets. I decided to put one on my favourite Anne's grave in St. Finbar Cemetery. I noticed when I was praying at the grave, uh, a guy three rows over started was staring at me. When I looked up, he kept getting nearer without taking his gaze off me. Um, uh, but when I did look back, he was still staring. So I moved and so did he. I started running, so did he. The grave was in the back, but thankfully I was quicker. And eventually I saw a couple of men at the entrance, got to my car. I was petrified. I've never gone to the graveyard alone since I never I reported it. We now have a female Minister for Justice. Oh, this is exactly what I was saying earlier on. Thank you, Anthony. We now have a female Minister for Justice. So let's see if she'll make changes in relation to female violence. She has the power. Um, that, uh, and CCTV footage. I remember talking to a girl last week who was attacked upstairs on a bus um, and no CCTV on the bus was working. Um, did you not know that Limerick County Council was fined €110,000 by the Data Commissioner for installing CCTV with no lawful basis? That's insane. Those cameras stop just one attack. They'll be worth every single penny. Well, I don't know if anybody is fined for having CCTV cameras that don't work, say, for instance, in public authority buildings or public vehicles. I'm an avid runner, and for someone to be telling me not to go out running and to change my behavior enrages me. Tell these men to change their behavior. Tell these men not to assault women. Why should I have to change my ways for these men who can't control themselves? Text 0868104106. Back after the break. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. And so we're reminded again, like we were back in the Trump days, that banter or locker room banter is no longer acceptable. And rightly so. Or sexist comments about women are no longer acceptable. Or sexualized comments about women And those that make them should stop and think, well, what if I was making the comment about my own sister or my mother? Um, And there's a professor at UCC, Louise Crowley, who says that we fail to address this kind of sexist attitude um, and this kind of behavior. Uh, People need to and they need to call out or intervene when somebody um, engages in either inappropriate behavior or makes inappropriate comments. And that's where it starts. And and I'm as guilty of it as anybody because I was chatting with my, my wife about it uh, at the weekend and I was saying, well, when I get that kind of stuff on my WhatsApp or when I, I just delete it, and she says, well, is that good enough for you just to delete those videos or those comments or those jokes that people send you that you think they're funny? And they're usually at the expense of women. And I sat and thought about it and I said... No, probably not. And she said, well, what are you going to do about it to really make a difference? Deleting it doesn't make any difference. She said, you need to get in touch with the people and say, in the world and times that we live in now, please don't send me that anymore or anything like that anymore. It's no longer appropriate or right. Uh, So I will. And I think it is an embarrassing thing to have to do, you know, but I think it's necessary. There are books of condolence. uh, The city and county mayors have done both. Gillian Collin and the county has opened an online book of condolence for the people of County Cork to express their sympathy to the family and friends of of Ashley Murphy. And you can sign it at www.corkoco.ie if you're in the county. Thanks, Emer. Thanks so much. Because the city is the same. On behalf of the people of Cork, the Lord Mayor Colm Kelleher, in conjunction with the Deputy Mayor, um, uh, Councillor Rose Desmond, they've opened an online book and condolence as well for the late Ashley Murphy. And that's at www.corkoco.ie. 
corkcity.ie and you can sign that, put your name to it. So both Cork County and Cork City covered with books of condolences and that's, that's good. Listen to your interview with the girl talking about her two awful incidents and I thought I'd share an incident that happened to me a few weeks ago. Uh, I live up Summer Hill and with working from home, I always go for a walk outside on my lunch break. I usually leave around 2 p.m. This particular day, I noticed a guy waiting against a wall about two minutes from my house. I continued on uh, and got to near the bottom of the hill when I hear either a cough or someone spit. The man was literally at my shoulder and I jumped. He proceeded to talk to ask me where I was going, what I was doing, where I was living. Would I go for a walk with him? I seized up, didn't know how to respond, so I just said I was busy, crossed the road immediately. He was clearly on something, clearly on something, and my heart was beating quite fast. I continued down the hill and looked behind me to see that he, to see he had crossed the road and was now on the same side as me. I was a bit ahead of him, so I went into a coffee shop I saw, waiting till he passed. Once he did pass, I left the coffee shop and went home, ran home. I was really upset at this point. Isn't it absolutely ridiculous that I couldn't even go for a short walk without being harassed by this guy? Uh, this is just one of the many incidents that happened to me over the years. Women will never be safe. Don't give up my details. Uh, clearly on something, she says. Clearly on something. Um, on the senseless murder of Ashling Murphy, it is a sad indication that all women have to defend themselves in our society in order to joy- enjoy life. As a man, I despair that there are a few men who believe that they have a right to attack a woman anytime, even in broad daylight. I also think that certain men are bullies all their lives. This is no way an excuse for a man attacking a woman. My whole being is heartbroken that such a talented young life was taken from society before she had a chance to live her life. Thanks for taking the time to read this out, says Robert. And there are just reams and reams of texts as well. Why do men feel it's okay to come up annoying women in clubs, annoying women in pubs, and if you brush them off as a woman, you're called a stuck-up cow. Um, sometimes people are afraid to intervene, Neil, in case it's a couple, a domestic case, who are fighting in public, etc. That's referencing a call on Friday where a woman uh, had her head smashed up against the upstairs window of a bus and other people upstairs on the bus did not intervene. Text her saying sometimes people are afraid to intervene in case it's a couple and it's a domestic. Even if it's a domestic, maybe there should still be intervention because assault is assault is assault. Just wanted to text let everyone know that women are terrified, be it in a car on her own at night, walking at any time of the day or night, uh, going to an upstairs toilet in a restaurant. We are terrified. I'm a 45-year-old, educated mother of two. When I was 13, our local delivery milkman would drop milk to our home and take the opportunity to rub and grope me or my sister. When I was 18 in college, a male friend assaulted me. When I was 22 on my way to college on a bus, I was rubbed, rubbed up all the way to Cork. And the fear of God was in me. For all men who women meet while walking, let me tell you that while we are walking toward you, we are terrified and we're planning our escape route. Uh, I'm so upset but relieved that the magnitude is coming out. Please don't give up my name or details. To all of the beautiful ladies, the mums and the daughters, keep yourselves safe. safe. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 
104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show And I will come back to lots of texts and emails throughout the course of the morning but just on the lotto which of course was won just under 19 million just over 18 million uh, there was an Isle of Man syndicate uh, you know we've heard of these in the past where people plotted to win the lotto uh, so you, it, it literally is buying as many different number combinations and investing millions in it so that you'll win the jackpot and ideally then the jackpot will be an awful lot more than the millions that you invested and apparently a syndicate came home from over from the Isle of Man plotting to land the 19 million euro jackpot and they spent 3 million euro it said they spent 3 million euro on the tickets that was their budget and they figured that they could do it on, on 3 million and win 18 didn't work out of course because it was one over in the west of Ireland but apparently they, I was reading at the weekend they went into some shops trying to get 10,000 euro worth of tickets and the shops couldn't do it there was one particular shop who tried and tried but it was such a busy day they could only manage to get them 3,000 euro worth of tickets and they went in with 10 grand uh, so in that case of that syndicate from the Isle of Man I don't know, maybe they got something for five numbers and maybe got an awful lot of money, but I wouldn't think they'd have got their three million back. Anyway, lines are open. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. And on Friday, listen, just on, just on Friday's program, we were talking about tattoos and what have you. There was a chap on the air. Can't remember his name now. I'm sure the lads will remember. But he, we, I managed to get uh, Roy Keane. Um, head and shoulders tattooed on his right arm. He's a huge Kino fan and a huge fan of Dennis Irwin. I just, Tony, thank you. It was Tony. Thanks, Seymour. I just wonder if there's a tattooist out there would like to, free gratis and for nothing, like to put um, Dennis Irwin's head and shoulders on his left arm, yeah? So I can kind of complete the deal to Tony. I'm not, I'm not saying that it will happen, but it might happen. There might be a tattoo artist out there who might be interested in tattooing the other arm with Dennis Herman, and then he'll have the both soccer legends on Lee's side. Well, I know there's more than two, but certainly Kino and Irwin. So get in touch if you want to be part of that, and we'll give you a good shout on the air uh, if you're the tattoo artist that does it. Text 0868104106. But on that topic from last week, I didn't get to everyone last week. Sean, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Good to catch up again. Sunny, I'm sure, and warm where you are. At the moment, it's dark and cloudy and torrential rain. Ah, in Tenerife. Yes. But that, that won't last long. But we, we have, at the moment, we have a Kalima, which is um, the winds from, uh, they call the Sorokan winds from the Sahara. And we had that for three days, so there was dust and sand blowing everywhere. And now it's finishing up with uh, torrential rain. Did I read something at the weekend? Some publican in Tenerife who was an Irish bar who's complaining that um, rules and regulations have changed again. Is that right? That's right, we've gone up to level four. What, what's but, going on? Because I'm also told that a load of Carconians are going to Tenerife in the, next, in the next few weeks and months. Yeah, well, to tell you the truth, if, if they're coming for um, honky-tonk and out all night and drinking up to the early hours of the morning, they're coming to the wrong place at the moment, Neil, because everything closes now at um, midnight. And places like gyms and one of the biggest uh, theme parks in the world... And best acclaimed is one here called Siam Park. Now, that has closed. So any, any form of, let's say, entertainment is really curtailed. Midnight, it's, though, it's, should we bite the hand off you for midnight closing of pubs? I know. But, uh, it, but as I said, there, there are youngsters who think that they can come and that, they're, they're, that things are normal. But they, for, for people who want a nice, quiet, safe holiday, it's perfect. Yeah. 12, I mean, we're inside bed by 12 o'clock anyway. <laughs> You know? I love I love your use of the term honky tonking. 
that's my age. The honky tonk woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Rolling Stones. That's right. <laughs> can, can I just, before we start the conversation about tattoos, can, can I just say, as a man, I'm absolutely shocked and appalled and ashamed of what happens to that young girl. I know, I know. And one thing which I have noticed, now I walk a lot here, and it's not just, let's say, in the past couple of months, but for quite some time, I have noticed that if I'm walking and if there's a lone woman, regardless of age, walking in front of me, uh, she'll either speed up or, or she will stop and take out her phone and, and let me pass. So it it's, seems to be very much on women's minds to be yeah. on guard. Now, I'm no young fellow. Yeah. So now what, what I do if it's somebody, a woman who's, let's say, in front of me, or coming towards me, I will cross the road or maybe go onto the road if there's no pavement on the other side. Yeah. See that. yeah should we, all, we should all do that, maybe, you think? You know, it's, but that, that, that's just thing. But going yeah. the conversation about the tattoo, I was surprised the other day when... Um, some bar manager said that he wouldn't have somebody with tattoos inside his counter. That's right. And, and yeah. I was saying to myself, my God, that's being very judgmental now. And then I thought back. Now, I come from an era when the only person I ever saw with a tattoo would have been Popeye. <laughs> and he has, a t- he has a tattoo of an anchor on, on, on each arm. But tattoos at one time were frowned upon, Neil. And there's no point in saying they weren't. There was a thing called, oh, that's very common. Yeah. And, you know, and... But that that day has no has long since gone. And well, you'd see you'd see dockers with tattoos, and you'd exactly. see anybody involved in the marine with tattoos, or anybody exactly. at sea. Yeah, not and, not and, no disrespect to them. It wasn't to mean they were dodgy, but it was just their thing. Yeah. And it, it 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 was considered common. Like like lots of things were considered. Or if if you have uh, that though, you're a certain type. Yeah, and that's and and that was there, and and that was. And apparently, uh, the tramp stamp came along on the lower back, and that was popular for a while. And I'm told it's not popular anymore because it's said to be I don't know, no disrespect to people who have them. Common, yeah. What, can, can I just ask you, what is that? It's a kind of a lower, I think the girls could probably describe it better than me, it's kind of a lower, wide tattoo right oh, across the very lower back. I it's, know, I know you couldn't miss it if you saw it. Yeah, no, that, that looks good. It's a Celtic. <laughs> I, I thought, when, when they said, what, what are they called? Tramp stamp. Tramp stamp. I, I thought to the foot. I, I don't know them. I've never been up close and personal with one, so I can't say what they look like okay. or what the designs might be. But you, you, you have tattoos. I have. I, I I got my first tattoo and my only tattoo, two tattoos, as a two actually, uh, when I was in my 50s. And it was, let's say, our tattoos now at this stage were, were uh, the in thing. My sons had tattoos and, and I noticed that they were coming in with, uh, no, maybe not all my sons, but a few of my sons have tattoos. And it was their girlfriends and then when they had children, it was their children. And I, well, What do you do with the girlfriend then that no longer is a girlfriend? Well, I, I said, well, the ones I have them are still with the girls. <laughs> <laughs> so so they, they were fortunate enough. <laughs> but, um, there, was a, there was no mum and there was no dad. No, there was a bitch because mum and dad on. So I said to myself, now I always had a terrible phobia of the needles. Terrible. Of ter- From the city hall long ago when the needles in your gum were like tango hammers. That's right. Yeah. And the needles for the polio and the, all these things they give in school, they were like tango hammers. Or if you were being dealt with by a, a student dentist up by the, across yeah. the road from the North Infirmary, I'll never forget that. 
Yes. Oh my God, that no, was... I, I, I dreaded needles. Yeah. But I decided I'd take the bull by the horns and I said, Susan, I'm going to get tattooed. And she said, oh, for God's sake, Sean Coppice, I found you're 52 years of age. <laughs> and, <laughs> I, I will never cut this off. And I said, you know, who, who, who do I really love? You know, what I like? And at the, at the time, I had one of the nicest Rottweilers I've ever had. And he was intelligent and he was obedient. And I said, come on, we crossed the road. He crossed the road before me. And we had a lovely relationship. So I said, I'm going to get... I got him on Father's Day. And I christened him Dad Wren. Because Dad for Father's Day and Wren for surname. So I called him Dad Wren. And Dad Wren was the love of my life. So I decided I'd get a nice big... Uh, I, I took the photograph of Dadrin into the tattoos around the corner from the salon and the South Main Street. So you were in Sean and Sue's at the time, yeah? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, was, I, I was only 52. Yeah. Uh, so I said to him, can you do that? So he said, I can. And he made a fantastic... I mean, colours, everything. It was just like that Dadrin's head was sticking out from my arm. And then on the other arm, I said, OK, and can you put Sean and Sue on that? And he did it, he did a beautifully in Celtic thing. So I decided, and it hurt, I can assure you, it hurt. But I felt, I felt I was now in with the real in crowd, and my, my, my sons had tattoos, and now their father. And was this, was this visual now when you're working in the salon with your customers and everything? Well, it's high up on my arm. It's what I, I started wearing those festy uh, uh, things to show, to show it off. Yeah. I was quite proud of it. I wasn't ashamed, but I was proud of it. <laughs> and uh, somebody said, gosh, Sean, you want you really kind of want to get yourself checked out. <laughs> I didn't care. So your customers, were the ladies yeah. telling you you need to cop yourself yeah. on, no? Yeah, get, get yourself checked out. <laughs> that's, that's, that, that's, you're going through a midlife crisis, I was told. Anyway, I never worry about what people say. But let me go back then, we said 20, 25 years ago. And Susan and I were in a hotel in, um, maybe it was Mallorca. And you know when you go into your hotel room and you go out on the balcony and you check your surroundings yeah. with you halfway. And on the balcony next door, now this is way before I had my tattoos, on the balcony next door there was a young gym bodied, head shaved, chap covered in tattoos. Big muscly fellow down. So I said, Oh my god. So I went into Oh my God, we're not what do you think? We're not going to get a minute's peace here or something, is it? No. I went in and I said to Susan, we must make sure now to lock the doors when we go out because there's a chap next door and he doesn't look very nice. And within a second, Neil, my inner voice says to me, hey, 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 look now at your own son first. And he could have been one of my sons who has a lot of tattoos. Yeah. And who looked just like that. But at the, at the minute, at that moment, I, 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 I just... Did you get to meet the guy? Because you clearly no, feel as if you no. misjudged him. Oh, I, I, I clearly misjudged him because it, there was no disturbance. There was no disturbance. But what I was annoyed at, I was furious with myself for being so judgmental. Yeah. I always, I always was the type of live and let live. Yeah. But I think it was just for one split second, the idea of, oh, tattoos are common, so you rough people's tattoos, immediately shot to my head until I, until I realised that... The son I'm speaking about is the nicest, kindest, loving. He, he he would do anything for anyone. Yeah. So I would just ask him, don't be judgmental. And I'm absolutely surprised and shocked that in this day and age, that a bar manager will not employ somebody with, with a tattoo. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Because somebody yeah. without tattoos could be just as dodgy as somebody covered in tattoos. Now without I a doubt, yeah. I wouldn't worry so much about you misjudging him in the moment because you corrected it very quickly and you I learned from it, you know? Oh, it's not I'm as if you carried that thought process or that belief with you all your life. Yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely mad with myself that, for, that I could be that judgmental. 
So I still have my tattoos and um, life is okay. <laughs> Apart from a bit of wind and a bit of cloud and a bit of rain, which will pass. But you, but you know something to have rain, it was torrential rain um, during the night. And it was nice to, sit, to be in bed and listen to rain for a change and not throw the clothes off. You said, geez, <laughs> <laughs> a break from the heat and the humidity a bit of rain and you looked forward to it <laughs> exactly but going back to anybody coming to Henry as I said it's it's very safe but they they must have their, their documentation in order because the airport police are very very um, very strict and you ain't going to get any late night honky tonk and everything shuts down at midnight alright Sean thanks again unless they want to visit us here <laughs> ok happy new year to you too take care to yeah. you in regards to Sue as always his regular contributor great guy back after the break Neil's got a new number call him now on 0818104106 you betcha brand new phone number and it's open 24-7 lots of different texts and emails and different topics of conversation pepper spray uh, was a text that we got not once but a few times yesterday uh, today and indeed on Friday and it is illegal in Ireland thank you the lads checked it here but it's very much available for purchase online apparently uh, but illegal in Ireland. Uh, and another interesting comment in that regard. So uh, after a... Oh, this is to do with tattoos and the tramp stamp that I referenced earlier. So after a morning of Neil talking about the horrendous murder of Ashley Murphy and how we must all denounce abuse and derogatory comments against women, he actually uses the phrase tramp stamp. I'm appalled. And it just goes to show the lip service that a lot of men give while discussion... discussion while, while, sorry, uh, it just goes to show the lip service that a lot of men give this while discussing, while discussing it. I honestly can't believe what I heard. Um, apologies for that. I didn't mean to in- upset any by use of the term tramp stamp. We were talking about that on Friday's program. It was um, used in, in texts and also um, references to different types of tattoos that people would get that were once popular and now are not. Um, Tattoos on the lower back became popular in the first decade of the 21st century and gained a reputation for their erotic appeal. The tattoos were sometimes accentuated by low-rise jeans and crop tops and were referred to as the term at the time, tramp stamp. I'm passing on the term that was used to describe them. I didn't create it. I mean, maybe it's uh, something that should be deleted from history now and not used anymore. You could well be right in that regard. Anyway, text 0868104106 to the phone lines we go. Dan, good morning. Hi, Neil. Great show. Thanks. So what we do know is that pepper spray is illegal in Ireland, but available online. Well, this is it, Neil. And um, it is, of course, legal in a lot of countries internationally. Like like where? Do you know? Yeah, well, I mean, I lived in South Africa for a long time. Neil, it's legal down there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and uh, one of the reasons it is legal is because you know, so uh, ladies, young girls, vulnerable people can defend themselves. Okay, w- would it be legal in like America? Is it legal in the UK? Across Europe? Do we know? Well, Neil, I'd be honest. No, I wouldn't be able to. Um, I wouldn't be able to answer that one for you. Mm, okay. Well, I can. I can probably find that quickly on a Google search. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. But uh, Neil, um, it, uh, the time, to my way of thinking, the time is right for um, to reconsider. Uh, legalizing uh, pepper spray, you know it's not the, it's not the. I'm not saying it's going to uh, allow somebody who's attacked or assaulted to defend themselves, um, f- you know, in total. However, at least it means somebody might have something to at least put up a, a bit of a defence, as opposed to a set of keys or something like that. Well, this is it, neither as opposed to a tin of deodorant or something or a tin of deep heat. Yeah. Um 
Pepper spray can be legally purchased and carried in all 50 states of America. There you go, Neil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so maybe it's time for the uh, for the good ministers to start reviewing stuff like that, Neil. I'm just looking here as you're chatting there and trying to find other countries. I'm not so sure about the UK, but certainly in America um, is one here. Is self-defense pepper spray legal in, in Europe is another query that I'm checking here. Um, anything that would keep people safer, wouldn't you think? Well, this is it, Neil. I've got to, I've got a friend there, and she carries a tin of deep heat with her when she goes out. Um, you know, I'm not saying it's legal. Or I'm not saying to anybody do it, but I'm just saying yeah, that's what she carries because uh, you can't, you know, you but can't. But who would have a problem with it if she used it because the guy was giving her grief? Yeah, uh, that's a very good point, Neil. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if it stopped him, it stops him. Absolutely, Neil. I agree one hundred percent with you. And at least you've. Um, you're not depending on a key or, uh, or your mobile phone to whack somebody with it. Because the, the first seconds are vital seconds, you know? Well, absolutely, Neil. You know, you need to put... Um, if, you need to, if somebody's coming at you, you need to let them know that uh, you're not an easy target. So is this something that the government should be discussing, that Helen McEntee should be considering, the legalisation of pepper spray? Yeah, I believe, Neil, that the, um, that the Minister of Justice should be looking into this. As, Self- one, as one approach to beefing up the system you know, you. in terms of protecting... Yeah, yeah, yeah vulnerable people, ladies out walking and so forth. As a form of self-defense, for sure. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I think uh, the journal.ie, actually, I'm just looking here. Forgive me now, but it's your chat and I'm checking as well. And no they, did, um, they did a poll. Uh, should pepper spray be legal in Ireland? Um, I'm not quite sure what the vote was at the end of the day, but they certainly took a look at it. And that was back in 2018. So we were even talking about pepper spray four years ago and probably longer than that. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah, I mean, Neil, we're in an evolving society. The Ireland that you and me grew up in 40 years ago, 50 years ago, it's a different, you know, it was an island of saints and scholars. It's a different country today, my friend. Yeah, actually, they're also talking about the use of taser guns. Um, is that a step too far? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be that keen on that, okay. Neil, you know, okay. to be honest right. with you. Okay. Um, there's training issues come into it. There's, yeah, no, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't go down that line, Neil. But certainly personally. pepper spray. Good man yourself. Absolutely. And, Neil, can I just make one other point? Yeah. Because I'll make it quickly. The legal system, Neil, in Ireland regarding prison sentences and so forth is also, it's farcical in the sense that a murderer, for example, will get 25 years in jail on balance. And uh, after 10 years, he or she, you'll see them back out on the road again. 12 years max. Good behaviour. They've bluffed the system. They're back out of prison, Neil, and wait for this. They get an apartment, a free house, a free apartment that's paid for by you. Ah, uh, where'd you get that from, the free house, free apartment? What's that about? Well, I mean, Neil, you they leave don't. prison, the state, the state has a job to look at to house you. No, but you can't make a broad sweeping statement that a murderer comes out of prison and gets a free house or apartment. It's just not true. We, okay, let me just change the, uh, the wording slightly, Neil. That person comes out of prison if they don't have accommodation sorted out. The state sorts them out with accommodation. Ah, uh, well, it might be temporary accommodation in, a, in some kind of a halfway house system, but you're, pad- you're paddling your own canoe like everybody else. Neil, you're not. You walk out of the prison, the, the, the system has got a duty to look after you. They can't just drop you at the first bus stop and say cheers doesn't work like that. Uh, what prisoners? Murderers only, is it? Or what? Well, yeah, yeah. Let's just, let's just speak about the beast, Neil, who, um, who murdered Ashling. You know, um, let's assume that uh, person... Uh, no, be no, 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 I'm not going to assume anything about that, Dan. You made some very valid points. Don't go spoiling it on your own behalf by making assumptions. We have to wait and see. Fair enough. Yeah, and, fair and, enough. And, and, and if you want the justice system to be fair, whoever this is, the Guardian have to do their job to get this person into court. You know? Yeah, and then, and then we and then we see. You know, I don't want to. Let's not go down the, no, the okay, road of yeah, of yeah. gossip or innuendo. 
Fair enough, Neil. But just uh, just speaking then on general, if you get life in the States, Neil, you do a minimum of 80%. You get life here, Neil, you do 25 years, you're out after 12. Yeah, I know, that's, it's a different... It's t- you know, that's... <laughs> and people, you know, are, we need to, people are sick of that, they are. Well, this is it, Neil, where's the, where's the deterrent? Yeah, they are sick of that. All right, good man, Dan. Listen, okay, thank Neil, you so much. Started on pepper spray, covered a lot of ground. Your thoughts, actually, on legalizing pepper spray. Very welcome. Text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Very interesting observation from Mike Amala regarding uh, Sam's Gala down west. Uh, he picks up on the story that we had last week about the um, credit note for the box of the slab of beer. He says, have I heard it right? The HSE have made contact with Sam's store and asked him to stop selling uh, plastic glasses with a credit note of €43, the approximate price of a purchase of a slab of beer. Did I hear that right? Yes, you did. This is the same government uh, who has, or at least the same government department who has and continue to oversee patients sitting on chairs, lying on trolleys and hospital corridors for days on end. And now in the blink of an eye, so quickly, they jump into action to stop beer sales. Can they do this? Uh, If a child is being neglected in a family, they would need proof, guard intervention, a warrant. Unfortunately and regrettably, in some cases, a child may have died because of an action. Uh, But when it comes to slabs of beer, they do their Superman job. Capes on to the ready and jump into action. Let's remember Dahl Aaron has 40,000 euro of wine in their cellars, a subsidized bar which our politicians run up bar tabs in and sometimes leave the bill unpaid to be picked up by the taxpayer. Wake up Ireland, says Mike from Mallow. Yeah, absolutely. I can't disagree with any of the above. Um, In fact, when I was chatting with uh, Sam's uh, gala store down west uh, last week, um, there was a very serious side to it as well. You got to acknowledge that because some people down west just could not afford the price increase. And uh, okay, it it was a funny and witty thing to do and a good, funny way to get around the new law. But at the same time, there was a serious side to it. People who like a drink or like a beer and like to buy a box and it lasts them a good length of time, but budget for it, are precluded. And he was just trying to do his thing. And interesting, when you talk talk about money, this is lovely. Stephen says, I just thought I'd send you this email about the change in banking. Um, And actually, Stephen, like me, he says, I joined the Cork Savings Bank in the the early 1970s. I remember getting what we used to call a coining box which was shaped like a small book with a leather-type cover. Absolutely, Stephen. I had one of those as a kid as well. Did people call it a congen box as well, which was probably a spin-off from the term coining box? And it was shaped like a small little book, and it did look like leather, um, pure metal. You put the coins through the slot and had metal pins inside, so when the coin went in, you couldn't get it back out. And the key for that box was kept in the bank, in Princess Street, You'd have to bring the box in to be opened, counted and lodged into your account. Um, Yes, I remember that, a nostalgic story and thank you for sharing it. In my case, it was um, the Cork Savings Bank down on Lapskey. You know that one there? Big old building. But for you, it was Princess Street. Um, Imagine my surprise, he says, to see that nearly 50 years later, the now PTSB has returned to something similar. I recently went to my local branch here in Carrigaline to find no counter staff, Not totally unusual these days, but when I asked how I was to lodge coins, I was told that only two branches now have counter staff in Cork that handle this. The two branches are in Patrick Street and Douglas, which both require pay parking. So now to lodge coins in the PTSB, you not only have to travel, but to pay for parking for the progress. 
so much for progress. Can't talk on air, but I thought it might make an interesting topic. Topic: How does this work for people who don't have transport or are elderly? Says Stephen. Well, it's just the changing face of banking in so many ways. Maybe if they gave people an adult version of the old conjunct box that we had as kids, that would make a difference. Uh, but I know when I was chatting on the air about the Echo Boys uh, last week and Cork's oldest Echo Boys and the huge mountains of change that they would have. And then we got a call from a lady who worked in the Capital Cinema back in the, in the 70s and some of the Echo Boys would come in with all their change, all counted up perfectly, Mr Hurley in particular, and she then would give them the notes. A lot of businesses did that because I was talking with my own father then about it on Thursday last week when I was over with him. He was saying that the same would happen uh, at the bus station because at one stage he was when well, he was working with CIE when he was much younger and one stage he was working in Parnell Place and Echo Boys would come in and uh, and change coins four notes there actually the hotel across the road as well Queen's Hotel would bring in all of their change to the bus station and change it for notes also so a lot of companies did that a lot of businesses way back in the day I'd say they'd be much slower to do it now because I think you're charged now by the weight I believe but to other forms of retail ladies and gentlemen Brendan good morning Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Another topic from last week. It was a it was a general topic about delivery drivers, sometimes on bikes, sometimes on electric bikes, sometimes in cars, delivering. And we spoke a lot about food not arriving, arriving at the wrong address or wrong orders. Did you want to pick up on that? I did, yeah. I appreciate just giving me a few minutes. Yeah, not at all. What go I, ahead. What's really incensed, incensed me, I don't go into town, Neil, that often anymore, but... I, I go in when I can, maybe just for the to support English market and stuff, just for, for, for that kind of stuff. But I was in last Tuesday, and uh, what I saw was absolutely unbelievable. And I heard from friends of mine about, and I'm not knocking them, but I'm going to be very honest, the delivery drivers themselves, the cyclists yeah. that are inside in Park City. Yeah. Um, it's shocking what I saw, and I'm actually not going to leave it go. I'm hoping, with your help on the show and the people listening this morning, um, I've written to a local TD on it, um, and I, I, I really want to push this because it's, it's disgraceful. I went in, and it's not a once-off, because I was in again on Saturday with my son, so I went in on Tuesday, very quick story. I went in, parked up, I was in a loading bay of a commercial vehicle, went in, and I came back out, <clears throat> and I was leaving Patrick Street. I came up Patrick Street. <laughs> <and> <laughs> <around by laughs> no. You're using a loading bay to go in and well, buy no, a I bit was, of no, fish. I was in, well, no, well, no, well, I wasn't oh, in the what are But anyway... <laughs> anyway, I came up to Zinger's Corner, okay, and there is, again, I, I'm not in town that often, but there's new cycle lanes coming up by Washington Street. So just where the old uh, cinema used to be, you take a right, and there was a delivery. Now, they're, they're gathered, I can understand, in Patrick Street with their apps or whatever, and their trace, chasing business and all this kind of stuff, but came up. And it's everywhere. And so I follow, I didn't follow this guy. This guy was up in parallel with my vehicle, coming all the way up as far as the courthouse. The lights were red. The cars were coming over Clark's Bridge, which they then had the right of way to turn right onto well, Washington Street. He I'm with you in my mind's eye. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Straight through the lights. I was beeping at him consistently. He jumped right across the road. He ended up and he didn't hit anybody. He went right across the road jumped the footpaths and went down by Digilog opposite there on the right-hand side, heading down there uh, towards, we say, the old Iron Road, and he went down some side street. And I couldn't believe it. And then I'm still at the lights, and this other geezer comes up the other side of the road. He goes across, comes up the footpath. He crosses the road by the corner of the courthouse opposite where I was, went up on the footpath opposite, on the, uh, outside the courthouse by the steps, and went down the, the side street there that takes you down by that, I think, St. Francis Church. Yeah. 
right? And I couldn't believe it. I right? know, so, I know. And I, 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 but that was, that was I, I left it go, but I, I didn't leave it go. I went in last Saturday. My son was with me, 16. I was in, and I really then, it really became, a, I went in, same story again, all jumping footpaths, never stopping at a set of lights, no disregard to the public at all. And I can't understand how the public are not. Like, they're up on footpaths, and in fairness to my son, he didn't want me to get involved. He said, please don't say nothing, because I was getting out to somebody, and I didn't. And then uh, I, there's very few, and I'm going I'm I'm to be knocked for this, very few female cyclist working for Deliveroo, but there was one that passed us, and she had one of these electric bikes, and I have to say, she was very... She was very courteous to, do you know what I mean? She wasn't doing it. And it's all the male uh, delivery yeah. drivers. They're hustling, they're, hustling, they're hustling for work, you see. A lot of it is to do with speed and being quick off the mark and getting as much work it is, in. Yeah, it is, Neil, but it's safety too. Like, oh, look, I'm 48. Well, look, I'm, 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 I'm not an old school guy. But at the end of the day, you're, you know, my parents are gone, but I don't want anybody's, you know, elderly or any, anybody. Could be a child. They're jumping footbacks everywhere. Um, and what, it's not about this. Maybe people, people are being, maybe people are being hit by them. I don't know. Maybe pedestrians are getting a clip from the foot. From well, the what, I, what, I, what, I, what, what I'm trying to get, what I'm trying to see, can can it be done? Is why can't these people be registered? Or maybe people can help you here. You know, a lot of people you're showing town that have businesses that are giving them businesses. My son told me on Saturday in town that it's not just the McDonald's and it's not the Burger Kings. They're delivering stuff from, you know, the central... I don't know what... what you can get anything. You can get a breakfast get all delivered. Okay. You can get anything from any restaurant or takeaway. Anything. It, doesn't, it isn't necessarily a McDonald's or a pizza. It can be anything. But can I ask the show? Can I ask... Does any, can, we, can anybody find out how these people are registered? Like, I mean, we, 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 you know the delivery because the marketing ploy is they've got a green bag, clearly obvious with the name on it, what I can't understand, um, and I, I've written the email last night to a local TD, is why something can't be changed that they have a number, like a three-digit or a number that's clearly but would every, visible. But would every, driver, would every driver for a DHL or anything, are they all registered in the manner you're asking? And with whom are they registered? Well, they, well you see, they, they, they have an employer, right? These people, who is their employer? This is what I'm saying. You, you mentioned it. If they struck me on the street or your child or my child or somebody elderly... What's the recourse? Yeah, you can ring up Anglesey Street. What's going to happen? These guys are gone. We all see them in traffic as we drive about and go about our business, for sure. But it hits you hardest because you're not in that often. Yeah, but Neil, yeah, exactly. But at the end of the day, it's blatantly going on. If you went in right now, even if your crew went in for 10 minutes, and I'm sure they were around the city, anybody can see this going on. And it's just that we're alone. To toler- we're tolerating it. We shouldn't be tolerating it because we're entitled to walk in a footpath without being, you know, you know, harassed no, okay. by these people yeah, okay. cycling on a foot. And it's, it's not me cribbing. I am cribbing, but it's not acceptable. And these, like, a lot of cyclists get bad. They get, look, we've all been cyclists, right? I don't anymore. I'm a motorist. I'm sure you are. I probably should cycle more. This is not about hitting the cyclists, but it certainly is hitting that type of cyclists that are being paid to do deliveries. I don't know what they get paid, but I'd like, if you could, or somebody can come back to your show to let me know and others who is their employer, how do they get paid, and why is it, and I still believe this, that businesses that are giving them business also have a duty of care. So, um, you know what I mean? Like the McDonald's and all these places, it's still their food that's been delivered to your house. You know, I know so that. You, you, I know that. Uh, the, you know, there was, you know also, I mean? there like, was it, also it, the it, story recently, uh, there was a Cork delivery cyclist knocked down in a hit and run with that SUV. Are you aware of that story out of, out of no. Douglas Street there? 
That, no. that poor misfortune was, I uh, don't know whether he was with Deliveroo or not, but he had his bike and he was on Douglas Street and um, he got hit at around about half past seven in the evening. Um, was captured on video. You, you didn't see that one? No, I didn't. But one, could I just He was stood by his bicycle. One. So they, you know, they, yeah. they, also, they also, you know, I'm just making the point that they, they also can be at risk. But oh, oh, they can. But there's one thing, Neil, and you know that you've had, I know you've had I think John Boyle, and you've had solicitors on your show with comments, you know, about certain topics you've had, right? But yeah. the other side of this, and you know, we all know there's motorists, right? If we clip a cyclist on the road, right? If I hit him, I'm still, no matter what happens, right? Yeah, you have your insurance, your vehicle is insured, they, they will be... But the bottom line is that if it went to court, whatever, no matter what happens, the motorist will always bear the brunt of the responsibility. Yeah. And this is not about me, or you, or Emer, or anybody listening to the show. I'm really ringing about the pedestrian, the, the walking public inside in Cork, that are being harangued by these people. I understand they have a living to make. I understand they're rushing around or whatever. And they're but against the clock, but the, the rules of the road are the rules of the road. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I get and you. one last point, Ian, is yeah. I, I know this. Why the Gardaí don't see... I'm not blaming them, but there's no presence. I was in there Saturday. I don't see them at all around the place. Even cycling, they have bikes. There's nobody stopping them. And I'd be honest, before I go, maybe, maybe at another time you can bring a couple of these delivery drivers or cyclists on. But I'd like to I'd like to open the debate on it because it's sickens me to be quite yeah, honest. Yeah, no, I've had them on in the past. Happy to talk to more of them and also to members of the public who might be listening who maybe had a near miss or were hit by them, whether in a car as a or as a pedestrian. Let's see what happens there, all right? Appreciate that. Thanks for taking the call. Okay, no, yeah. so I'm here for it. Thank you, Brendan. Pick up the phone, text 0868104106 if you've been hit or had a near miss or um, you know, had to take a you know evasive action with your motor car. I mean, I've I've got the most just on a, on a lighter note. I've got the most amazing car. It's incredible. It has its own makes up its own mind. It's a uh, happen to be driving at the moment, and I love it. Love it. Really love it. Um, a zero four Mercedes CLK. I only picked it up for a couple of grand last summer, um, but it's lovely and it's very very comfortable and it's got a lovely interior everything. And um, I'm happy to drive. But the horn goes off on its own for no reason in the whole wide earthly world. Now, it got so bad now that I actually Googled it at the weekend as to why does the horn... Like, you could, like here, here's when it's really embarrassing. So if you ever see me and you think that I'm blowing the horn at you or that I'm engaging in road rage, it's not me. It's the car is doing it. I have nothing to do with it. But where it seems to happen an awful lot is in um, shopping centres, you know? I go into a shopping centre, like, for instance, I could go up the ramp up to Tesco in Douglas or... What's even worse is Douglas Court. And I'm dri- I drive in, uh, and I'm driving along, and then I find there's a place there, so I take a right turn to go into that area. And as soon as I turn the wheel and slow the car down, the horn will go... It doesn't sound like an alarm. If it sounded like an alarm, I'd understand it. It sounds like somebody hammering on the horn out of rage, like, get out of my way, or who are you? Or, and it, it isn't kind of giving someone the Banu kind of a horn, you know? It's an aggressive type of horn going off. Um, and people look around. So you ever, you ever in the cinema or in the opera house or anything or a place where you're sitting there you're watching the television you're watching the show and you're watching the stage and your phone rings you pretend it's not your phone you look around and say, for god's sake whose phone is oh for god's sake you're so rude this is what you're thinking whereas all of the time it's your phone and you're just trying to play for time that's me in the car i've no idea somebody said 
I was Googling yesterday, something to do with a dodgy airbag. <laughs> this stage, I'd prefer the airbag to explode <laughs> than this happening. So they say that when I'm coming home and coming into the park, I don't know whether I'm like Postman Patterson, the horn goes. <laughs> so they know it's time to put the kettle on. <laughs> You got Neil's new digits? 0818-104-106. Weekdays from 9 a.m. Only on Cork's Red FM. Yeah. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. <laughs> I was just thinking about it. You know the volume control on the on the wheel then, on the car? If you try and turn the volume up, like, and you push it, it's got two. One for up, one for down. The horn goes off as well. So the volume keys also... I mean, it's just like a ticking horn bomb, if you like, uh, on on tattoos. Uh, fair play, Neil, on your comments about hiring staff with tattoos on Friday. Well, I said that if anybody in HR um, rules anybody out because of tattoos, they should be sacked. But that was just my own opinion. I worked in a hotel that made me cover up my tattoos even in the middle of summer. It would almost make you feel like you should be ashamed. They were strict on appearance in general. You could only wear a certain shade of red nail varnish or a nude colour. And you had to have your hair only in a bun. Uh, I was once pulled on having had my hair looking messy, despite the fact that I spent about 10 minutes on my hair that day. I was told to fix it in the toilets immediately. Needless to say, I left after nine months. I understand and follow dress codes, but I found this a bit too controlling. I always admire seeing staff with piercings and tattoos and not needing to conceal them. Uh, they seem more comfortable in themselves, which is essential when dealing with the public. Also, the comments about criminals having tattoos is ridiculous. That guy that was on the air on Friday should consider that most high-profile serial killers don't have tattoos. Well, thank you for that. Did you ever notice as well that somebody with tattoos or piercing or a bit of body art, they're always full of energy and always in great form. And they're always nice people to be around. You know, they're full of positiveness. I don't know whether... That's a kind of a form of acupuncture, maybe. I don't quite get it. But anyway, keep those texts coming. Text uh, 0868104106. One call this side of 11. Derek, good morning. Hello. Neil, how are you doing? Good, my man. Can you hear me all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm just on a building side here, so it's a bit... Uh, okay, okay. Take it. A bit of background noise. Neil, I was just I was calling in about the, the incident up in Tullamore there a few days ago. Very, very sad. Um... My heart goes out to the family. Yeah. yeah but, as you know, right, I think the last, we're, ju- we're jumping the gun here, right, at the moment again, to come down on top of all men for what happened, right, without any information about the killer. Yeah, but maybe it will take all men to change the way it is now. Um, all men. Know, yeah, yeah, but you know what, right, men are the way they are, right? No, no, what is that? Uh, but, most, I know, but what do you mean yeah. by that? Like, what does that mean? Most men are good. Yeah. Most yeah. men are good, right? When I look around the streets, right, of Cork in Ireland, I see the men are as meek, right, as they come. I left this country for 10 years, right, when I came back. I, uh, I noticed the difference in the men. They walk around, they're looking at their shoes, they wouldn't say boot to a ghost, the vast, vast majority of them. But yeah, what but happened it, up in Tullamore? Um, of course it's not, the, ago, yeah, yeah, of course it's not, the, of course it's not the majority of men, of course it's no, not. No, of course but, it's not, but, but there's, still, a big, there's a big rush now by the government right, and the establishment to come up with new 
rules and regulations to to um um control men. And what right. do you think right. should be happening instead? Right. Why don't we wait wait and see um where we get some information about the killer? Oh what abso- if, abso- absolutely what if, what if right, it turns out to be a foreign man? Well, but what difference would that make, though? Well, well, you know, right, different cultures right, treat women differently. Right? Not all cultures treat women the same but, way. But you can't. You see, don't. you're you're like you're contradicting yourself, then, because like because you say not not all cultures treat their women the same way. But the vast majority of men in all of the countries you're talking about, the vast majority of them are respectful to women and wouldn't touch a woman. No, no. Go to a country like Afghanistan. Neil, they for, they force their women right to cover their heads, to cover their bodies. They're not allowed. They're not allowed outside the door right, without another man. But even, um, but even, I mean, I know you're talking about one particular country. So let's go with no, that. I'm not talking about one particular country. I'm talking no, about Pakistan, we, Af- yeah, yeah, but, Afghanistan, most of Africa. But the, um, but the vast majority of people, just like here, men are good people and family people and raise children and love their wives and work hard. In all of the countries that have different cultures to us, they're good people. They are good people, but they view women differently. They view women differently. In Muslim countries, a woman woman is considered to be half of what a man is. But that isn't even the case in the vast majority of men who are of the Muslim faith. They are respectful people. All of the oh, time, you know all, all oh, of you their, know. because that is just a fact. What, I mean, are you, okay, what are you basing that on? I'm basing it on the fact that that's just the way the uh, world rolls. That the vast majority of people are good, but it only takes I a was, few or a yeah. portion of them for whatever reasons. I don't I mean, know. I was trying to rack my brains over the weekend, right, to think about the violent crimes that happened in this country in the last few years. Right, so my head isn't what it used to be, but the only two I could come up with. Well, it was the one in Ballin Temple there, was it, last year. There was a homeless lad. He was decapitated, right, by a foreign man that fled the country. Yeah, but you're only honing and in the, on the foreigners, oh, you see. Okay, but, yeah? but if we're importing dangerous people in this country on top of our own dangerous people, but, does that not increase the number right, of dangerous men walking around the streets? But it, it, well, it, it, it increases the amount of dangerous men walking around the streets, for sure. Yeah. But you right. can't close the borders to people anticipating no, that they're... we do proper you know, checks on the borders? The asylum seekers that are coming into this country... Really, but we need people to come into Ireland, Daryl. We can't... We're an island. We don't Absolutely. want to behave like an island. We, we, we want people coming in and out, working, raising families, being part of our country. We do. We do. But what if those people don't have those intentions? What if they come in to... Uh, scam the system, get as much as they can and flee the country. But you're gonna, but that, you're gonna have you can't that. Say that's not happening, Neil. No, but I mean, no, it's happening. But also, we're doing that ourselves as well. You're always gonna have people scamming we, we the system. We are doing that ourselves. But my point is, right? If there's a thousand people in this country, right, who are up, right, who are up to no good and pulling scams and hassling women, all right, and if we import another thousand. Been from other countries, we then have two thousand people walking but if around you have the streets. No, no, I know that. Well, you potentially have in the event of people from overseas coming over here and committing crimes. But Irish people go overseas as well and do the very same. Uh, there's there's very very few violent crimes right, committed by Irish overseas. They 
the, the vast majority of them go over, get drunk, act the bollocks, right, and get locked up for a night. There's, there's a, the number of Irish people that go over and commit violent, serious crimes are minuscule. Here, here's, okay? a, here's the thing. If, yeah. if somebody applied to come into Ireland through the proper channels and it was found that they had murdered somebody... Right. Then there would be grounds to say that you can't come into Ireland, right? Yeah. If, if somebody right. from overseas comes into Ireland, commits a, var- a very violent crime, whatever that could be, uh, and they are convicted and serve time in Ireland, perhaps then they should yeah. be deported from Ireland. Huh? But other than that, you should watch. Other than there's that, there's a documentary online, uh, Neil. Right, it's called Borderless, right? And a reporter went down into uh, Syria and Greece, and she tracked the migrants making their way up through Europe. Right, and the trick they had was they threw away their papers. They passed their passports and all identification into yeah. the sea, right, yeah. or they burned them so they couldn't be identified, right, and that way they couldn't be turned back. We have no idea who's coming into this. But do you know why they do? Do you know basis. why they do that? They're not. That's well, not because they're criminals or engaged in nefarious activity. Well, because they want to get in. Yeah, and do you know why they want to get in? Because their life. Why is, do they want to get in? But you know why, why? they want to get in? Because their life why? is awful where they are. And they want a better well, life. It's like the Irish who went to America. What? Nigeria? Whatever country they're coming from. The vast majority... Uh, Nigeria has got its own space program, Neil. Did you know that? But that, just, has, but that just goes to show you... That just goes to show you how unequal a society it is. That parts of it is very rich, that the governments are corrupt, right. and that the right. people are star- starving. Right. What's the population in Nigeria, Neil? I'm not a clue. I don't know. Uh, I know it's over 200 million people. How can we, on any uh, in in any economy, look after the numbers like that? Because a lot of those that come into this country work here. They they pay tax here. They keep the economy going. They turn the yeah, lights on and, and off in shops and offices and businesses. They operate. They operate on people's fathers, mothers, yeah. sons, daughters in hospitals. That's what they're here for. You know what they also do? They also push down the wages for locals. When you add when you add vast numbers of um, low-paid workers right into an economy, right, you push down the wages, right, of um, the locals. Yeah. So everyone's wages go down. Yeah. But how how is that the low-paid workers' fault? That's just the greed of employers or the state not stepping up and protecting workers from that. But sure, the state, the state, the state, the state couldn't protect the state couldn't protect an egg inside. In a, you know what? The state implement policies there, uh, Neil, and all they do is cause more problems. The state, the state, right? The state is the cause of this. The state is the reason that we have the problems in this country. So you can't preempt somebody in advance of breaking the law. That's not enforceable. You can do a background check. Oh, oh, no, I mean, I think anybody would agree there would be, there was outrage recently after convicted murder overseas um, came over here, beat up and almost suffocated his wife. Uh, I I can't remember. I mean, I can drill into it. I think he he, he avoided, he avoided jail. I think he got suspended. Uh, That was a convicted murderer. So if a background check was done there, he'd have never got into Ireland, wouldn't he? In general, Irish men don't carry out crimes like that. In general, no, the, the there too, are a few, no, but, but in many, general, we don't too commit many of them do savage too. crimes like that, and you can't say that they do. All right. Okay, it's 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 people, it's people who are coming from countries that have very very little respect for women, 
they come over here, but it's right? Not, and they think it's that not, they can do the same it's thing. Not in this just, it's not just that, and it's not I, just them. There are others yeah, as well. You know, I didn't say it was just them. Right. Okay, but if right, if we could get a list of all the violent crimes committed in this country in the last ten years, I can get. I put a thousand euro with you today. That the vast majority of them, right, will be non-national crimes. That's a tall we order. Need, it it need, might be. It we might need be possible. to restrict. We need to restrict the access to this border or this country is going to be in a big mess here in a few years, and it's not going to be the men, right, who are going to be attacked. It's the women. It's more and more okay. women okay. that are going to be attacked. Derek, thanks so yep. much for taking my call. I'm thanks for coming on here. Sure, take care. Let's see if people will have a reaction to that. Uh, conversation with Derek Text 0868104106 pick up the phone 0818104106 I'm Lana O'Connor Red FM News is first for local national and international news and you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie New year new number for Neil 0818104106 and you can text 0868104106 and that's what people do every day and I'm grateful to every single one of them and also to those that come on the air including the likes of Valerie. Valerie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are no, you? I'm good, thank you. Now, picking up on my conversation with Derek before the news, your thoughts on that? Um, well, I heard two comments that kind of concerned me. He said something about coming home after being away from the country yeah. and seeing young men look at, look at their shoes. Is that, I think I yes. said that correctly. Yeah, yeah, anyway. he, said they, he said they wouldn't say boo to a ghost. Yeah. Um, well, with all due respect to Eric, maybe he doesn't know any young women. I don't know. You know, I haven't a clue. But look, uh, young women in this country are putting up with an awful lot. Um, I know uh, several young women who go out to work and come home very disheartened. They're hearing comments about their body parts. Yeah. They're hearing criticisms. They're hearing very derisive things being said about them low enough so that not too many other people can hear but loud enough for them to hear and in the workplace is it in the in the workplace yeah you have people working in and retail people in the hospitality like i'm thinking of the young women i know you know and my friend's daughters and uh, you know uh, people working say maybe in, in big supermarkets and restaurants um i i would imagine it's in an awful lot of places neil that they're hearing absolutely horrendous comments. Now, given the current climate and where people's mental health is, I really think that for any um, anyone to say that young men wouldn't say boo to anybody, I, I think that's very, that's lacking huge awareness. That man is lacking awareness and it concerns me that many others might be the same, you know? And then he made a second point, which I found astounding, about people who aren't from Ireland and about murders. Look, um, we have... I believe around 284 women have been killed since 1996. Now That's, I saw this on Facebook. I you are right. I no, you are. That is a correct figure. I didn't figure. verify yeah. that. You yeah. can you can take it as right. Yeah. Yeah, and I can. I, I feel. I feel it's fairly safe to say that there were very few um, non-national. Well, he's he's challenging. You know. Not necessarily me, but he's challenging somebody to look at those 284 cases of deaths of women, the hands of men. And, well, and come up respect, with where they're from, he said. Out of they, respect for the, the 284 women, I read every one of their names on Facebook. You know, um, it broke my heart, obviously. Did you? Of course it did. I did. I absolutely did, yeah. You know, they've left behind loved ones. There are people still grieving, still impacted by the way those women passed. You can be guaranteed of that. That spreads out. There's a ripple effect, you know. So I read every single one of their names. Um, 
of course there are women with non-Irish surnames. That's right. You yeah. know, we know this. And look, at the end of the day, it's not it's not where the person was from. You know, I, I think what we need to do going forward is we all need to learn. He how says to there's do. a cultural difference with certain countries and how they treat uh, women. But you're like, if Irish men are killing women, what do we say about our culture? Absolutely. I don't, is there a culture anywhere where women aren't disrespected at some level? You see, half of the problem here is that men and boys, they don't realize that it is disrespect sometimes. You know, they don't. Um, and I think that's where we all need to look at um, our language. The in the workplace, I mean, I, I can talk with I can talk with some amount of knowledge going back to, say, for instance, the eighties when women put up with an awful lot of grief and an awful lot of comment and uh, uh, and behaviour yeah. that would not be tolerated now. Yes. Uh, but yes. you're actually saying that it it still exists, and but you're saying that it's would it be fair sometimes that that it can be both men and women who are unkind to each other? You're you're just seeming to suggest that it's men are unkind to women and say. Well, I and very judgmental nature, of yeah. I think human nature being what it is, I think there are definitely women who can be unkind. But I think this is my own opinion and it's not backed up by facts or research or anything. I, I think it's way more men. I know that, but in, I, listen, I know that and we know of the numbers when it comes to rape and death and, and assault. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you're referencing people's behaviour in the workplace and comments. Mm. Should we be mm. calling out everybody, both men and women, Absolutely. when they, when they gossip or remark on somebody's um, uh, appearance or, or weight or personality or, like or lack of? Or, or Absolutely. their gender. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It should be, everyone should be called out. Yeah, I think we need education. You know, there, the HSE have portals for their staff to go on and do different you know, courses online and you, you, you're marked when you have them done, you're, you know, that I've completed this. Okay, yeah. It would be no harm for, like, even for the delivery drivers to do, a, a, the delivery, delivery people to do something on cycling and awareness around safety online before they're employed by these, these uh, companies. You yeah, know? Yeah. I, I do think that there is, um, the country is so united at the moment, we're so united in our grief and our shock and our horror and our, our despair at the way things are and, and, and at what happened last week. To well, what happens when we have cases you know? like this off? And, and I'm not, I can't really say a whole lot about Ashley Murphy's murder because it will be before the courts. But what happens when we hear over the years that somebody who did something like this was already known to Gardaí? And, and people are saying, well, why is that person walking around the streets then if they're well, known? Yes, well, you know, I, I read a book a couple of years ago about um, murders in this country and the, it, it was like the, the revolving door syndrome. The, sorry, the whole revolving door thing, they're in, they're out, they're in, they're out. And sentencing was a huge thing as well. You know, the sentences they were receiving from judges weren't long enough. That young woman and that young girl, actually, um, in Dublin, I think she was in Ballyfermot, who almost lost an eye. Yeah. Uh, those two boys, I think it was 280 euros fine. Yeah. Now Helen McEntee needs to get onto that. Yeah. What's going on there? How in the name of God is that going to deter anybody, male or female? You know. And then what? Are, and then in Derek's point regarding our borders, are are we strict enough then with regards to background checks? He's saying clearly not. I can't. I can't speak to that. I really. I, I can't speak about that. I don't know enough about that, Neil. Okay. Um, I honestly don't. Okay. Um, but I would. Um, I, I, like, I, I think we need to stop looking abroad for everything. Look, look at what's here and, and treat everybody the same. Anybody could have done this. We don't know who it was. We don't care where they came from. It's done. It's horrendous. Yeah. 
you know, and we, we shouldn't be um, trying to find excuses or trying to find any, any except, any, there's no way verbal abuse, physical abuse is okay for anybody, male or female. I mean, you know, there are other vulnerable groups aside from women. We know this. We have, uh, our, our young people's mental health is is very shaky at the moment mm. um, as a nation. We know this, and a lot of that is because of services. You know, if, if you read up about it, and I'm sure you have, we'll see that parents have brought, you know, their young people to um, mental health a mm. and And I'm going back now, I'm going back 30 years, 25, 30 years, they've gone looking for help, in other words. They didn't get it. Yeah. People's yeah. lives were taken, you yeah. know. Yeah. Okay. Um, I am sorry. I have to go. You're very kind, Valerie. Lovely chatting with you. Thank you so much for your contribution. Take care. Lines open on 0818104106. Pick up the phone. Text 0868104106. Lots and lots of texts. More coming in again this morning as well as everything else. Um, Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number 0818104106. And you can email neil at uh, redfm.ie, which is exactly what Nikki did and told an horrific story of what happened to her when she moved to Alicante in Spain back in uh, the summer of 2020. Nikki joins me by phone. Nikki, good morning. Morning, how are you? I'm good, and thank you so much for taking the call. It's difficult because you end up reliving the event, but thank you all of the same. You you had completed it, uh, a course to allow you to teach English as a foreign language and then moved to Alicante in Spain to do that. Is that the case with a friend of yours? Yeah, yeah, that was the case. So I'd finished college in May and was kind of like, oh, what will I do now? Um, so I decided to do a TEFL course. I did it while I was uh, finishing up college and me and my friend decided uh, to move over to Alicante and it was our fourth day there and I knew people who were on a holiday day there as well from college so we decided that we'd meet up with them and have a few drinks or whichever so we met up with them in um in the Alicante town like it was only 10 minutes away from where we lived probably 10 mm. 15 mm. and everything at the time due to COVID closed at 12 so it was after everything had closed and myself and my friend were you know getting up Google Maps and you know it, it was our first night kind of essentially out shall we say so we didn't um, you know we were getting up maps whichever seeing which way would be easiest to go mm. and and this is men, in a this is in a built up area with lots of restaurants and pubs and people yeah, living around yeah, yeah. okay yeah. And as well, Alicante is like a very, um, why we had chosen to move there is it's a kind of a family kind of based place. Like yeah. it's less, you know, it's, yeah. So then um, we got approached by two men and they were just, the only way I can put it is we just got like the creeps, like the heebie-jeebies kind of is what I would say. Mm. So we started, you know, we're like, oh no, like, you know, we're okay, whichever, that's fine. And uh, we started, you know, making tracks on our way home and I kind of noticed and I said to my friend, I was like, I, well, I don't know if this is me being hyper aware, but I was like, I think they're following us. And she was like, oh, oh my, like, do you actually think so? You know, whatever. And then I was like, okay, like, then we were kind of getting to, we, I was like, we'll just keep walking straight and we won't walk home because obviously then they'll know where we live. So we just kept walking on the path and we were like, okay, maybe they're not following us. Maybe they're not following us. And then we turned around, they were still there. So I said to my friend, I was like, will we run? And they'll hardly run after us and we'll put some distance between us and um, then we can, you know, hop in a taxi or, like, you know, figure out what to do then. So we decided that was the best idea. So we started running and essentially, obviously, we were just running to create distance, not to actually get to a certain destination because we didn't want to go home. So um, 
we kept running and we got to a dead end. So it was like uh, we could either turn around and go back and they would like be right behind us. Or what do you mean dead end, like a wall or something? Yeah, yeah. So it was on top of a high wall and there was a railing. So I was like, like we're going to have to jump. So I jumped over the railing first and turned around to make sure my friend was still there because I had just been a bit ahead of her. Were they and still I, behind you at this stage, Nikki? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, I could see them coming, um, running down after us. So I hopped from the wall, sorry, um, I hopped from the wall uh, and without kind of really looking because it was in that like, moment of like sheer panic, but I was like 10 feet up maybe and I tried to then kind of half stop myself when I realised how high up I was. Um, so I ended up landing on like kind of like I landed on my like um on my bum, shall we say, but with my wrists out to stop my fall. So my wrists uh, both were like smashed completely and my head flew back. So I was like, like essentially like quite concussed. Um, And then obviously like, you know, my wrists were um, really, really broken. And then we had like, uh, the police came and obviously I went in an ambulance, but because of COVID, I had to go by myself. Um, And because like the hospital over there were absolutely amazing. But because, um, and the police were so good, you know, they took our statements and everything, but it was a very grey area because essentially they didn't actually touch us. They didn't, you know, it's kind of a hard one to define, but then I was in the hospital and because I was flying home, I, I I wasn't going to let Leah, you know, be my full-time care over there. So I decided that it would be best for me to go home so I couldn't get surgery over there. Mm. So they had to reset my... Um, my wrist manually which was the most painful experience of my whole entire life oh my god does that have to be done in your senses then yeah yeah so i was i was conscious and they just put anesthetic just in my wrist area and with they i was lying down on a table and they tied each of my fingers to um a string and they had five doctors walking away from me pulling out my fingers on each hand and then they had someone else realigning my bones like with their hands to try and get them into a normal position and then someone else putting the cast like the plaster cast on um so then i flew home the next day and had to go through the whole process again in ireland when i came home in a and e um so i my birthday is a few days afterwards i spent my 23rd birthday having to have my mom help me get dressed which isn't something that I thought whatever happened, um, but yeah, I was very fortunate I could go home and that I was in a position, you know, my mom is a nurse by trade, so she was finishing a 12-hour shift and coming home and minding me, and then, yeah, so I was out of work for a couple of months, I couldn't do anything, I spent, I think it was like over, I'd say like 400, 500 euro on going to therapy because I knew I needed to for myself, Um I lost thousands in, you know, my accommodation in Spain, flights home, everything. You never went back after that? No, no. I decided it uh, wouldn't be best for for me personally and, like, mentally to to go back, so I didn't know. Oh, my God. Did your pal call the police that night when you jumped off the other side of the wall and... Yeah, she did. Do they did. look for the? Do they then go mm-hmm. to look for those men or anything yeah, like that? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. They they helped. Um, they got the ambulance to come for me, and then they helped Leah home. And then they had one of them had dispatched people to go look for them as well. Did yeah. they find them? I don't know. You we don't never. Know. I never followed up on it. And to be honest, I think obviously I know that's 
quite bad and almost maybe you could say selfish that I didn't but no I don't I, I, I would never judge of, anybody uh, no I mean preoccupied you, you, you know you you seem to feel that it would have been hard to to prove, but I, I I don't I don't accept that for a moment. I mean, they are the reason why you broke your wrists and were put in fear of your life and your safety. They are the reason. You yeah. Know, you know, uh, I don't know I don't know how a court would look at that, but they absolutely are the reason that you probably still are in pain today. Yeah, yeah. So up until I mean, you probably still have difficulty writing, holding things, doing day to day chores. My, I'm right-handed, and I, it was actually quite unfortunate. So I, I've broken my left wrist before when I was younger. Um, but then, so obviously breaking that one again a second time wasn't ideal. But then I, the right one was a lot worse when I broke it. So I had to get surgery on that two weeks after I came home. But now one bone is shorter than the other. So, like, I have, like, hyper movement and, like, basically I'm in, like, more or less, like, pain a lot of the time and like I love writing and doing stuff like that so it's just sad from kind of that angle if that makes sense um, how, how are you now psychologically particularly if you're out, out and about do you, do, you, do you find yourself panicked um, I don't think I think like uh, maybe if I hadn't you know gone to talk to someone and I have in being honest like I have the best lad friends in the world my dad and my brother are stellar men mm. that I think I've always had you know it's not my first time being approached inappropriately or like assaulted shall we say by men but I think for myself like I got um, I have an alarm on my keys now which I find brings me a lot of peace of mind how does so that work do you mind me asking so it's basically a little uh, a little alarm and it has there's just a tiny little um kind of it's almost like a little allen key kind of um size thing and it, it's attached to a little loop and if i pull that out it's like the most piercing noise it's a panic alarm um so it's literally the most piercing noise you will ever hear and it's funny because I'm one of um, four, I have four sisters and my dad had bought them all for us a few years ago anyways because he was just you know, he Mm -hmm. said just to have them and I find that now that brings me some peace of mind the thing is, is that I know that I can never stop it happening for me again because it's not like the only thing that made that happen to me was me being a woman there's nothing that I can do. Like, there's only so much self-defense classes or whichever to do. But the issue is, is that for it to stop happening, as men need to stop it. Yeah, I'm sure, 100%, without a doubt. It's a shame that you have to carry a panic alarm on your keys and in your hand, isn't it? Yeah. Or to pretend that you're on your mobile phone or other things that women have to do. You say it wasn't the first time with regards to, like, it's just, just men, men, men constantly giving you grief saying the wrong things don't leave you alone if you're out socially and the, you um, know. yeah it's been like I one time I was walking down the street on my Erasmus with my friend it was like 7 o'clock and there was a group of like 6 or 7 guys and we were like okay well just you know head to, heads down keep walking or whichever and I had walked by them and one of them actually slapped me from behind after I'd walked by um, like ridiculously hard like I was bruised on, on my behind um, I've had oh, like us. guys come up to me and like I've been trying to order a drink at the bar and they've kind of like pinned me to the bar with their bodies that I can't turn around 
like I've had men even people who are like maybe like acquaintances of friends not understand when no means no yeah. and you know you're, you know I've left nights out for that reason that it isn't you know I, I know that man earlier on said you know it was a, a cultural thing but it's not it's everywhere it's, a, it's absolutely everywhere and I don't think anyone pushing a racist agenda and using that for this is mm. in any way helping because it is everywhere mm. you wrote a poem didn't you yeah um, I was, re- was that a poem that you wrote after I believe it may well have been after Sarah Evard was was brutally yeah. murdered yeah I wrote that poem um, like I said um, it's, it's just a hobby I have that I, I you know write did poetry. you read it at uh, the vigil for Ashling in the city yeah. Yeah, I read it on um, on Saturday with much, much persuasion by one of my friends, the one in um, Cork City. And what I said before I read it is that, you know, I wrote that in March of 2021 and the amount of times I could have changed the name in it is so, so upsetting. Did um, you substitute Sarah's name for Ashling's? Yeah, I included them both. I said um, Sarah or Ashling, yeah. Would you, would you read it for us now? Um, yeah, I will. <laughs> Excuse my voice if I get a bit shaky. Um, I understand. Thank you. Okay. Uh, to be a woman. To be a woman is to walk with a key, to never fully understand what it is to be free, to not ever get what you did to deserve the lack of disrespect and constant nerve for men who think that you are an item and the males who don't stand up to the vile nature by some. But then when something happens, say not all men, but don't believe women when they discuss their experiences of abuses and have a constant tirade of excuses to stand up for the male race, although this fear is something they rarely have to face. To be a woman is to never fully feel okay to live alone. I thought we were past a time where a man was needed to make a home. To be a woman is to long to be seen for more than the body I grew into at 16. To be a woman is to be tired of this conversation, constantly recounting these horrific situations. To be a woman is to fight for your right, to be able to walk home in the night. To be a woman is to beg for a voice. You act as if this is our choice. Sarah Everard or Ashley Murphy could have been me. The deciding factor was that she was a she. That's incredibly powerful. It really and truly is. For me as a man, there are lines in there too where you say, uh, to stand up for the male race, although this fear is something they rarely have to face. You know, as, as a man, I understand exactly what you're saying there. It is not um, an issue for men. It is solely the domain of women. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, very sad. Very powerful. Uh, in spite of everything else, you have, a, you have an incredible talent. I hope that you uh, continue... Um, to express that talent and that sooner or later um, you're in pain now as we speak aren't we even all this time afterwards Uh, yeah I just have like kind of um, my wrist doesn't really sit the way it should so it just gets a bit uncomfortable shall we say yeah Nikki, thanks so much for taking the call. Appreciate it. Thank no you. No problem. Thank Look you. Yourself. Cheers. Back after the break. Text 0868-104-106. Calling Red FM Studio? Call the new number. 0818-104-106. Yes, indeed. And you can text 0868-104-106. Just commenting on the horrible murder of poor Ashling. My partner shares her location with me at all times on the Find My app on my iPhone. Just goes to show the fear they have. Uh, alone out there. Don't give up my details. One or two more. People should remember it's sick people do these types of crimes. It's anti-man time now when it's sick people do these types of crimes. That's an interesting text because you could really drill into that then and, and talk about the disparity between the amount of men 
and women who do these types of crimes. Can't go on because I'm at work, but as a woman, I'm sick of being unsafe. I've been spiked. I've had my skirt pulled up by my bar workers in Cork. By bar workers in Cork, I've been I've had men randomly walk past me and put their hand under my skirt. I've been physically assaulted by an ex. Followed, I'm only one person. This behaviour has to stop. Women have the right to feel safe. All that talk of the do's and don'ts is doing my head in. What women should do, how should they behave, how they should walk. Thinking of poor Ashling, she didn't do anything wrong. We don't. But we need to be careful. You should never blame yourself. These attackers are taking our freedom from us. I 100% agree with that. There is no reason to feel in any way, shape or form responsible. If we could scream that from the rooftops, we all should. Um, and and uh, I'm, I'm conscious of so many texts that people really have put their heart and soul into. So I will I will come back to it. But can I go back to our phone lines, if you don't mind? Tegan, good morning. Hi, how are you? I'm well. Now, Derek was making some observations uh, just before 11 o'clock and covered an awful lot of ground. Amongst them was... was he he wants stricter border controls and things like that. Is that what you wanted to pick up on? Yeah, like I I only texted in. I was driving in the car and I was listening, and I was like, it's definitely not a culture thing. Like it's definitely not. I just go to college. It's not a great phone line. I'm just going to ask you a question on that. Are you on hands free or have your pods in or anything like that? No, it's just up to my ear. Okay, not a great line, but go ahead. We'll do the best we can. Um. I used to go to college uh, up in Limerick for the last four years. I used to walk to college every day and every single morning I used to get shouted at by men going to work and these were Irish men. Like, they'd be like whistling at me. They'd be like, would you like to get in the van and stuff? And I'm like, are you actually free? Like, I'm a 22-year-old girl and these are like 30, 40-year-old men. Like, you can't even just walk to college in your day-to-day life without getting shouted at. Like, it's definitely not a culture thing. I've and, worked and, yeah, and you know the guy... Like, is it a group of fellas in a van want you to get into the van, or is it one individual? I'm just yeah, curious. It, 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 is, it could be two or three people in a van, and they'd be shouting at you. They, they think it's so funny. They, they do, they, yeah. They, they think it's a yeah. big joke. And like, I wouldn't be one to say I do. I wouldn't react to them, but like, I know my housemate would get really upset. And I, like, you'd feel really uncomfortable after after it. Like, like I'd make a beeline for college. I'd be just like head down and go. Like, it's. There's no need for it. Like that's that's where the problem starts. That's like they just think it's funny. It's not. But do they ever stop and think that it could be their wife, girlfriend, or daughter? Could be ha- yeah, that could be happening to in another street in another yeah. town. Yeah, it's. Like I'd be going for a run down the canal, and there'd be a group of lads shouting at you as well. And it's it's always a group of people rather than just one person, and they just think it's funny. And it's it's definitely not a culture thing. Definitely not. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I mean, it's just, it's the, they're the kind of things that should be snuffed out, you know? They're like, yeah. imagine if you managed to get the reg of one of those vans with these idiots inside in it, and they got a visit from the cops. Yeah, but like, I feel like it's still going to carry on because it's not just one group of people, it's a lot of group of people, it's a lot of group of men, it's a lot of group of boys, like, it's... Like, my co- every time my housemate used to come from around, she used to come back with a story, and like, that shouldn't be the case. Any night we used to go on a night out, we used to come back with a story, feeling uncomfortable. Someone looking down her top, or just a comment made. All when, when you're out socialising, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah, you might find yourself in a pub or a club, or wherever the case may be. Yeah, and it always seems to be older men rather than people our age, which is, to be honest, even worse, even more kind of degrading. Like, it's like you're being watched almost at every move you make. So I wonder, will it take a complete generational change then, that it might take many years as the younger generation grow up and take over? 
before this will really change for the better if you're saying it's usually older men behave that way I think so but like people need to realise how women feel when they, when, when they make that comment they need to realise how it affects other people not just like a big joke to them and like being a big man in the group like thinking it's so funny but only take one of them in the group to say to his pals this is non lads stop cop on this is demeaning yeah, it's it insulting one, it's upsetting it one to start to make it better that's a start yeah 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 um, so it, it has nothing to do with border controls, but perhaps it might. He, he was making the point that maybe we at least could cut it down the amount of rape or violent assault or murder of women if we had more checks about who was coming into the country. He's saying if they, for instance, had a criminal record, as we know from the West Cork case, you may not be aware of that. You, you think that won't make any difference? Well, you should have checks on who's coming into the country anyway, but. We still have problems here yeah. in relation to that. Like we yeah. can't, we can't just blame border control. We can't think that's going to solve the problem. It's yeah. it's people's outlook and what they're saying to people. They just need to be more cautious of how they treat everyone, basically, as a society. Don't waste energy talking about our borders. For men not to waste energy talking about our borders and talk uh, talk more about how it's affecting average women and girls on their day to, in their day to day lives. You're saying. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. Yeah, good for you. Okay, thanks, Tegan. Appreciate you taking the call. Cheers. Robert's on six. Robert, good morning. Oh, not a great line. Are you there, Robert? Hello? Hello? Can you hear me, Robert, is it? Uh, How's it going, Lilo? Good, thanks. Okay, you wanted to pick up on this conversation. Go ahead. Yeah, just a couple of points there, Lilo. First of all, anyway, like, what happened that poor girl, Ashley Murphy, was absolutely despicable and abhorrent, like, you know? There's no, there's no getting away from that no, fact. No, she's but, dead. Like, I think the, the the kind of discussion about the foreigners and stuff is kind of way off base. That no matter where you go in the world, or like you're going to have people that will commit these crimes, and you will have people that won't. And it's that small percentage of people that will commit them. Thankfully, they won't. Like you know. Well, I think he was trying to make the point as if if we had stricter border controls. Um, then the, on, the only people that would be murdering would be Irish people. Yeah, but did we have border controls on the priests? Do you know, if you want to go uh, back... No, I mean, it's what he's saying. You know, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I know, you know, like that, that you can control it as much as possible, but there's going to be, like, um, like people like that in society have been there since the dawn of time, like, you know? Correct, and it, it wouldn't make much of a difference, incidentally, if you had somebody with no criminal record coming into the country who then went on to kill or to rape or to assault. Exactly, and like, we've got our own Irish, we've got a few groups of our own as well, like, you know, so they're in every walk of society, like, you know, but yeah. my, my kind of point really need is that, like, what's happened to, to that girl is absolutely horrible, and, like, I don't want to come across as, like, like you know, kind of a heartless person, but... Like, like women not coming out there alone. They're saying, like, you know, they're afraid like, that their asses are being like swiped and you know all these kind of like groping and stuff. But like, a lot of the crime that happened, sexual violence crime that happened, like in the past sixty, seventy years, happened to boys. Like, mm. you know, where, where was their voice? Oh no, and they should have a voice, and those stories must be told and were but told. Need, but now is it, now is a time, a very no, important, need, critical time for they, women. There'll be something else next week, Neil, and we'll move on again. Do you know, there'll be another story next week. And this, 
just go last thing Murphy will be forgotten about like Rachel Kylie and Ballon Collie and it'll just be forgotten about so another story will come out and we'll talk about that and that, that's just what happens that's just the way it works is that we're going to be talking about this probably during the case and once the case is over it'll be forgotten about but it might make it might make a change from the point of view of how our courts behave, uh, the considerations they take for a, a guilty person before sentencing, mitigating circumstances, background, uh, you know, softer sentencing. You know how the, to some extent a game is played. It's like a dance. Maybe, maybe that won't be tolerated so much, and we'll get serious sentencing. I, I, but I kind of have the point that the last thing. No, I'm not speaking from like you know that point of view. But the last thing. You, I would assume that you think about before you actually commit that kind of series of a crime is the sentence you're going to get. So I think no matter you, if you sentence it to life or two years, there's no deterrent. Like, so, like if someone had in their head that they're going to kill. I know, but it's but you're, all you're saying is that this is inevitable. There's nothing we can do about it. We talk about it now, and we'll just move on. But absolutely, and that's the shame. I, I like it's horrible that I, I think that way, but that's just the way I think that. It, There'll be another news cycle and it'll keep going. But it's just with a lot of them, like what's going on with the growth, like a lot of that is down to like social media and stuff and like videos being available. And Oh yeah, right, right into, right into pornography has, has where you have, gone, yeah, right into use of pornography where women are objectified. Absolutely, that's it. Like, you know, and they have this now on tap, you know. But to some extent, Robert, this isn't even our conversation. It's not our time. It, we need to listen as men now and and take appropriate action that we're being asked by women to take. I, I, you know, the action I take, Neil, is that I, I respect women. I've got a, a 17-year-old daughter, and I, like, I, I've been one of those guys in the vans, and I've never, ever like, shouted out of the van. I've never, I've never been in that company that we have done that. We've always respected people, like whether you're a man or a woman, we just had respect. We knew what was wrong and what was right. You'll get a much better feeling out of respecting people than mocking them, harassing them. You will, like, you'll feel better about yourself, ultimately. Because it's reciprocal as well at the same time, like, you know, if you respect someone, they'll respect you. And, like, I I actually don't know how we're going to solve this, Neil, like, you know, but, but just from my experience and probably yours as well, it's just another news cycle, and it's horrible to say. There will actually be it's not good, nothing yeah. substantial but it's done not about good, it. But it's not good enough for us to look at it as another news it's cycle. Not, it's not, and it's terrible to feel that way. Yeah. But that's just the way you feel, you know, and just wanted to get that point across. Okay, all right. And I'd like to thank you for it. Thanks, Robert. Cheers. Text thank 0868 104 106. Pick up the phone on 0818 104 ha- Yeah, happy to chat with Mary. Thank you. Mary, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You came across I'm something. Yeah, you're upset. I can understand why. Yeah, very, 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 very upset um, because I have grandchildren myself, and um, I was just uh, after coming from the mercy. My husband was in there for test, and I, we he decided to stop on the way home and sit in a shop and um, to get the paper, the mirror, and I just saw this little girl passing, I was sitting in the car, and she in the pajamas, which wasn't very clean ground over the slippers and she talking away to herself and she was had the two euros or something in her hand and no one around no one around no more than four I says oh my god so this just happened you just witnessed no, a child yeah, no more than four years of age walking yeah, into the shop in her pajamas yeah, 11 o'clock 11 o'clock because I looked at my my watch and I says oh my god where is the parents stop you know 
so um, I, my husband, he, she, she came up before my husband and she had a pack of toilet rolls in her hand. And I said, where are the parents? Like, I, you know, I actually, if I had food in the car, I'd have fit, like, get out and giving her something, but you can't do that now. And I just said, you know, is she hungry or, you know, something like that. I just came home and I'm, I'm, I'm heartbroken because I said, like, I will come along in a car and just whip her up. She whip her up, yeah. Oh, tiny little Sorry. thing, gone in seconds. Tiny little thing. And she came up, she was talking to me to herself again. And I was sitting in the car and the tears were rolling down my face. I said, oh my God, do you know, I'm so upset over it because like, I went through a novel experience 36 years ago, 34 years ago when I lived in an apartment. I had a three-month-old baby and I had a three-and-a-half-year-old girl, two girls, and my sister was staying with me in the apartment. She was 12 and my husband was after coming in. I had a few pints, so he fell asleep in the chair like usually men, you know doze off after a few pints right. and um, I was tidying up the apartment and I was up I was t- two stories up and um, I had mesh curtains up but I didn't have the big ones pulled because I was just tidying up you know after the kids yeah. and um, it was 10 o'clock in the night and um, I said to my sister I said there's matches being lit outside the door I had a, I laid, I had a little mat outside the door of the apartment and you know they're, little, they're mesh ones if someone walking you know they crinkle okay so I heard matches being lit. So I said, there's someone outside the door. So I actually caught the settee and shoved it straight up against the, the door. The door was locked and I knew more and the handle moved. And I screamed and I lifted up the window and I screamed again. And, and, and my husband woke up then. And I screamed again and I looked out the window and I will never, ever forget that back of that man up to today with a grey jacket, jeans, Longish hair and a bald patch in the back of his head. We well, actually talked about it last night. Well, what the hell was he trying to get in and rob you? I think when he saw me walking around the apartment on my own and no one moving, he must have been watching me at the back of across the road. From yeah, yeah. Where I was oh living. Oh my god! Yeah. He saw. God only knows what he would have done to That's me. That's never left you 36 years later. No, that never, never. But this, your misfortune, this child, this four-year-old, did you say the four-year-old had money in her hand going in? Is it to buy the, bu- what? Two euros. Two, two euros. euros. To, buy the, so to buy the toilet roll, is it? Four toilet rolls. She was so near my car, I saw two euros in her hand. Yeah. I said, so somebody served know? her then? Somebody served her. And she came out and she talked about to herself. And she just passed my car and I watched lost behind. No one around. Did she look cared for in her appearance? Pardon? Did she look cared for? No. 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 No, not whatsoever. No. No. Isn't that terrible? It wasn't very clean. Jamas wasn't very clean. And I says, the hair wasn't combed. And I says, God almighty, like, like, do they realise what's happening in today? Did you watch her going back up the street and everything? I did. I did. And she went down a little bit of a lathe. Yes. You didn't say anything to her? I hope no, I couldn't. Right? I mean, if I got out of that car, like, I'd get, get me in trouble. Do you know what I mean? As a woman, do you think you would? Would you really, do you think? Um, you know, which, what's happening today, she, they might have thinking I was trying to get her into my car. I know, sure, I know. And she goes, home. I know. That's the danger. Yeah, do what know? do you do? No, I no. was just, I, I came home and I was still got it. You got it. I said, what is she going back to? That's ne- well, you know what? Like four-year-old circumstances like that—that's neglect, isn't it? It is. It is totally, totally. She could totally. also be hit by a car, get caught, you know, in that regard. Or exactly. And what if someone came along in the van and just whipped her in? Like no one would know where she's gone. We just mentioned that. Yeah. The shop, know. You know, and you know, I said like, it's on camera, and I said 
God Almighty, like, do you know, there's no cameras now where she's gone, where, how far she's gone. So you didn't go into the shop and ask them behind the counter, what's going on with the four-year-old and do we know if she's safe? For I didn't actually think, yeah, I know. you know, I, I, just, know. So, I was so, so shocked myself. I know, I, I know. Said, you know, I'm just so upset over it, you know what I mean? Like, and then, you know, 36 years, 34 years ago, like, my head keeps just saying, is that him? Is that him? Is that him? You know what I mean? Like, no, it's a shame you feel that way. I wish, I wish they had some way of uh, of banishing that thought from your head. Yeah, yeah. Do you I know, know what I mean? Like, I've gone my sixties, like, and it keeps still saying, like, what would have happened in front of my two little girls? Know. Do you know what I mean? And my, when my husband woke up and he ran down the stairs with a hammer, the guards were called. He says, like, you can't do, and you can't do anything with that. He said, look, if he got in, what would have happened, to my wife and my kids? I know. Do you know? I know. All right, listen, it's very you know, sad what you observed sorry, this morning, okay. but I thank you so much for sharing. Her. I hope that that child is okay. Perhaps if anybody's information, they too. might be able to help that poor little child because that, exactly. that child deserves the best in life, the best in life. She do, yeah, and she's All on right. camera going into the shop on her own, do you know All what right. I mean? Okay, thanks, Mary. Look after yourself. Back after the break. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Uh, I didn't get to it today, but I will be returning for a while tomorrow to um, uh, house prices and rental. And thank you to everybody who emailed with their own stories regarding trying to buy or trying to get a deposit or trying to get on the property level ladder and others then we're trying to do the same with regards to renting. So I'll pick up on that and lots more tomorrow. Lovely responses to um, our thoughts and our tribute to Jeremiah Cronin, Jerry Cronin, who died last week at the age of 86. And for generations in the family, of course, who spoke to his son, uh, Echo Boy, Examiner Boy, rearing a family on the basis of being one of the Echo and, and uh, Examiner Boys in the city. Um, great radio. My first job was an Echo Boy delivering to the Glen and Dillon's Cross area. 50 pence a day I made. It was lovely to hear the stories and think, I'm thinking of his family, the late Jeremiah Cronin, at this sad time. This is Councillor John Marr. Warning, I used to sell papers on the South Main Street for that man when I was 12. I'm 43 now. It was only like as if it was yesterday. A lovely text also from Michael O'Donovan at the Castle Inn. He said, Jerry was a gentleman. Great services to business in the city. Condolences to the family on his passing. And Paddy says, another bit of old cork lost to history and to memory. Uh, says Paddy, R.I.P. Jerry. Ab- absolutely, he has passed away, but not forgotten. And it was great to hear his stories. And people love listening to those kind of stories on air uh, of nostalgia and the city as it used to be, the ever-changing face of our city. Happy birthday, uh, Red FM, from Onahincha Beach. Great show, Neil. Regards to all of your team. Best wishes going forward, says Sean. Thank you. Slightly belated for the weekend. Uh, where Red FM was turned 20. But lovely of you, Sean, all the same. Thank you. And then, uh, Neil, regardless of gender or nationality, the system is broken. Our courts are rotten to the core. And a lot of Gardaí... Ah, man, I don't know. I don't know when people say things like that. A lot of Gardaí are unfit to serve. Do you ever think when you say something like that, how Gardaí who are fit to serve and go out there every day feel when they hear something like that? I mean, you're you're entitled to... You're entitled to an opinion and everything, but it's just a very broad... I just don't like broad sweeping statements. I mean, how how come I often talk with people who got incredible um, service or care or attention from the Gardaí, you know? You got to think of that as well. It's a bit like this morning where we started this morning and a lot of the time people are critical of uh, the A&Es or hospitals and stuff and somebody came on the air and just told a very simple story that I thought was a brilliant way to start the week and that was... (laughs) That was. You can get a spaghetti bolognese, you can get a bowl of mushroom soup, and you can get an apple tart dessert in the A and E. I mean, who'd have thought we'd ever see that kind of a day? 
But there it is nonetheless. I suppose it's about balance, really. Uh, great call by Derek. A lot of what he's saying is very true, says Pat. Um, please, please, please stop giving airtime to these racist, narrow-minded, self-righteous bigots, says Michelle and Cargoline. Two different opinions on the same call. So keep in the comment. Text 0868104106. Email neil at uh, redfm.ie. We'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.